Get your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday Eve. Great to have you with us. Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex Jeweler. Matthew Rocchio, Michelle Smallman, Randy Carriker. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. Happy Friday Eve to you. Fired up about it, yeah. Because this is really the start of the weekend. I feel like summer has finally gone, Randy Carriker. And by that, I mean the weather is warm, but it's not so hot. Mm-hmm. I feel like you've gotten in this groove where you're golfing almost every day. Yep. The the rain has subsided. The sun has been shining. It's Everything is coming up, Randy. It is. And I'll go for a bike ride tonight. I love See? when it's when the sun is up until 830. It's awesome. There's always something to do. You can go out and play a quick nine starting at 30. You can go for a bike ride. You can go for a walk in the park, whatever. And yeah, life is good because Here's the way I look at spring, summer, most of fall. You have a finite amount of nice days. I hate to waste a nice day because I know at some point it's going to be raining and 34 and I'm going to hate it. I call that sunshine guilt. And I think it's very specific to people in the Midwest and on the East Coast. Because if you live in the South, if you live on the West Coast, you have an infinite number of sunny, warm days. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize how precious they are. You will waste days inside when it's beautiful outside. I don't know if kids today who love being inside on their kids today on their devices and their screen time don't understand. But in our day, Randy, when it was warm, you were not going to stay inside. You would never waste that day inside because you knew the next day it would probably be snowing. I have major dilemmas when the weather's nice and the Cardinals are on TV. I say, should I be wasting this outside time? I can listen on the radio. You could be watching it on the Bally Sportsman West app on your phone. But not if I'm on my bike. Sure you can. You can prop it up in a basket. Not safe. Put those AirPods in your ears. Just listen to Danny Mac take you through your ride. A bad idea. I mean, if you think about it, Peloton has instructors that guide you through your ride. Yeah, but so, if you, you don't fall off your Peloton. Well, you're. I understand when Goldie and Arenado both are smacking home runs in a game, you might mm-hmm. fall off your bike. Yeah. But all you need to do, Randy, is just put those AirPods in. Maybe don't look at the screen and just let Danny Mac's voice be your bike guide, His bike ride guide. Dulcet tones. Or you sit in a super comfortable chair in a sunbeam while the AC just you know keeps getting nice, over you. nice seventy four. Interesting thought. That's, that's also not exactly what do. we're thinking here. Not though. what you're thinking, but no. uh, I, I like to think outside the box. Speaking of Goldie and Arenado hitting home runs in the same game, it happened last night. Cardinals with a five four win over the Brewers, back in first place in the National League Central in the first inning. Dylan Carlson was aboard, and the red hot Goldie did it again. 
Paul Goldschmidt 449 the average against left handed pitching this year and the 1 0 pitch to Goldie and Goldschmidt hits a high fly ball out to deep left field just like that one pitch welcome back to the lineup and yesterday off swings at that pitch and drives it out of the ballpark for a 2 nothing St. Louis lead. Michelle, I've used the word, and I think I'm going to stick to it, about Paul Goldschmidt, words, phrase, numbingly consistent. (laughs) Yes. He was named National League Player of the Week, and I had no idea that he'd been as good as he had been. (laughs) It's something that, just like Sunshine Guild, we have Paul Goldschmidt Guild. We We have Goldie Guild. He is like a beautiful, sunny day that you cannot waste. We cannot waste watching and savoring Paul Goldschmidt's career. And the phrase that you use for him is numbingly consistent, Randy. The phrase I'm using for him is MVP. Yeah, he is absolutely MVP of the National League. Rowdy Telez homered for Boston, or Boston, Milwaukee, in the bottom of the first. It was a 2-1 game, but Albert hit a sack fly in the fourth inning to give the Cardinals a 3-1 lead. Nope. Not quite yet. Andrew McCutcheon with a homer to make it 3-2. Christian Yelich with a double. He doesn't do that much these days to score. Tyrone Taylor tie the game at 3 in the fifth, and then also in the fifth, McCutcheon with a ground rule double that scored uh Christian Yelich and made it a 4-3 game. So we go to the sixth inning. The Cardinals are down by a score of 4-3. Goldschmidt aboard. Arenado at the plate. Nolan Arenado is 1-2 for two tonight. Fly to left and a double and a run scored. The 2-1 pitch to Nolan Arenado. Arenado with a high drive out to deep left field. At the wall. Gone! Redbirds back on top. It's some emotion from Nolan Arenado as he touched the bag at first, pumped his fist, two-run bomb, his 14th of the year, and the Cardinals go back on top. It's now 5-4. Michelle Goldie was one for three with a couple of RBIs. Arenado was two for four with a couple of RBIs, and the rest of the Cardinal lineup had two hits. But when you have Goldschmidt and Arenado in your lineup, you're you're okay with that. So we keep saying if Goldie and Arenado could just click mm-hmm. at the same time and get hot consistently at the same time, this Cardinals team would be like a rocket ship. Randy, the Cardinals have gone 5-0 and when both of them have homered in the same game. Mm-hmm. So we're not wrong. If both of those guys can get, can get going, the Cardinals will be able to peel off a bunch of wins regardless of what everybody else does. That's what the numbers tell me. Really dangerous. Wayno allows four runs in four and two-thirds. Oviedo comes in and goes <laughs> two and a third scoreless with three strikeouts, no walks. I did not see this coming, but I hope it continues. I thought Johan Oviedo, well, certainly as a starting pitcher, he's never won a game in 20 stars. I, I look at him as just a guy. He comes in and just lets it loose for a couple of innings. He can be a weapon for you. He really can. I love after the game how excited he was mm-hmm. to get the win, how he was crying. He said he couldn't wait to call his family. But he's a guy that was put into situations last year that he might not have been ready for. And I think we've seen him grow as a player and as a person in a lot of ways. Doesn't he look like he's a more mature pitcher now? Definitely. Yeah. And there's so much that goes into it. 2020 was his first year in a big league camp and he was 21 years old. Shouldn't have been up during the COVID year, but he was. They had to pitch him a lot. And then last year he gets into that that maelstrom of just spiraling downward with all the starts but no success. Mm-hmm. And now 
he bounces back in the bullpen, and you got to be really happy. By the way, that was uh, game number 25 of his major league career. He's made 19 starts, and that is win number one in his major league career. He was due. Yeah, big time. Big time. So that was good to see. And then Hennessy Cabrera came on to finish things out in the Cardinals. Like we said, move ahead two games or a game on the Brewers. And today they'll try to move ahead two games with a 110 start at everybody says Miller Park, so I'm gonna stick with it too. It's always gonna be Miller Park. They can name it whatever they want. We're always gonna call it Miller Park. Stop trying to make American Family Field or whatever it's happen. Not a it's thing. not gonna happen. Sorry to the yeah. people that spent millions and millions of dollars to name the field. But if you're Miller, can't you just cough up the dough? It's supposed to be Miller Park. It should be easy if you're Miller. It's a drop in the bucket relative to your revenues to keep it Miller Park. And it should be Miller Park. You are 100% correct. The team is called the Brewers. Yeah, right. They should play at Miller Park. Right. No doubt. Let's move on to hockey. Last night, Game 4 of the Stanley uh, Cup Finals, and yes, the Colorado Avalanche move to within a game of clinching their third Stanley Cup championship, 12-02 in overtime. Now some Kadri scores. And by the way, did you notice, Michelle, that after scoring, what should not have been the game winner, but was, he clipped Vasilevsky, made sure to make some physical contact with Vasilevsky after uh, taking the shot to put the the avalanche within a game of winning the championship. He just can't help himself, Kenny. I don't think he can. He just can't help himself. Now, here's an amazing it's an thing. Yeah. This was not caught on the ESPN television broadcast, but the avalanche had six players on the ice, six skaters on the ice when the winning goal was scored and John Cooper, the coach of the Lightning, another guy, distraught. This one's going to sting much more than others just because I think it was taken on it was potentially, I don't know, I, it's hard for me. This is going to be hard for me to speak. I'm going to have to speak. I'll speak with you tomorrow. You're going to see what I mean when you see the winning goal. And I, my heart breaks for the players because we probably still should be playing. Um, I'll be available tomorrow. Oh, you mean another team that's distraught over something that the Colorado Avalanche did that mm-hmm. uh, allowed them to win? That's and the devast- officials did this one. Yeah, too, the yeah. officials too. But it just it feels like, of course, it's Colorado. Yeah, you know what I mean? It has to be. It has to be Colorado. And I want to go back to Cogdry for just a second, Randy. He hasn't played since June 4th after he sustained that broken th- thumb in Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals. And as much as we can't stand this guy because he is a dirty player, you have to give him credit for gutting it out. It was all about pain management. You could tell that he was not 100%. Mm-hmm. But he goes out there, he plays through the pain, and he finds a way to get it done. No doubt. He's he's a good player. He's a really just, good player. He, he doesn't need to do the things that he does. That's what bothers me about him. Me too. But I think it's part of the entire package. I think that things like that are what gives him the energy to do things like scoring the goals that matter. It's it's a yeah. weird um, power source for him doing things like that. It's almost like it, it charges his battery pack when he makes dirty or unnecessary hits against guys. Right. And by the way, the NHL, after the game, makes a bunch of copies and hands out to the media an event report. And the initial event report that was handed out to the media physically, on paper, at Amelie Arena, had six skaters on the ice uh. for, for Colorado. They edited it and gave them only five skaters once they put it online, but everybody in the building, apparently, except for the officials, knew that there were six skaters, and it should have been a too many men on the ice penalty against Colorado rather than the winning goal. You had one job. One job. One job. 
Yep. What are we doing? We sleep with the wheel here? What's happening? Well, and we love Emily Kaplan, friend of the show, knows hockey and does a really good job down there. Love her. Friend friend in the show, friend in life. But if Panger is down there between the benches, Panger sees the six men on the ice right away. I was really surprised that none of the ESPN broadcasters noticed that there were six men on the ice. I get that you're watching the pockets of winning goal, mm-hmm. but... And you're probably having people in your yep. ear telling you what to do. I mean, there's right. a lot that's happening yes. in that but moment. Somebody somewhere on the broadcast before you get to Sports Center has to see that there's six men on the ice. Especially because it's Kadri who's the sixth man on the ice, and he's well. McKinnon goal, was so going you... back. McKinnon was more than five feet from the bench. It should, it, if you call it, it's going to be on Nathan McKinnon. Kadri was coming on. Yeah. So, but McKinnon wasn't. He wasn't skating hard back to the bench, and it should have been a six men on the ice, but it wasn't. Devastating. Terrible. And one other note from yesterday, Roger Goodell finally met with Congress about the Washington Commanders and their owner, Dan Snyder, who doesn't want to appear before Congress and apparently is going to be subpoenaed to do so. But Roger Goodell was asked by a congressional member whether or not he would remove Dan Snyder from ownership of the commanders. Yes, of course I'm willing to do more. I never said that we were going to stop. I actually said the opposite. But we will continue. you have recommend that Dan Snyder be removed as a team owner. I, I think removed. I'm good. Remove him. Will you remove him? I don't have the authority to remove him. Congresswoman. Now, the first question, and she got angry, she got emotional there. The first question, will you recommend that Dan Snyder be removed as the owner of the commanders? That's the question, not is, will you remove him? Because as anybody with any knowledge of the NFL knows, Roger Goodell works at the best of the 32 owners, and especially the ones that have the most money. And Dan (coughs) Snyder... And Dan Snyder is buddies with Jarrett, right? Exactly. And so he's not going to say that. But if you ask an opinion, make Roger Goodell give an opinion, that's a little bit different. What would your recommendation be knowing what you know about Dan Snyder's activities? It's all about how you phrase the question. Yep. You can't let him weasel out of it because this guy will weasel out of anything. He's a weasel. He does he, that. He will find a way to manipulate the words to weasel out of the situation. And I don't think he's afraid to tell a lie either. I don't think he is. No. <laughs> I don't think even in a court four, of law, I don't yeah. think he's afraid to tell a lie. This one. He's getting paid forty-four million dollars to weasel out of these exact things. This is his job. Yeah, 40, protect the owners. Yeah, forty-four million dollar weasel. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Randy, Matthew, and coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. What are you sick of? Because we've got sick of it on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm over it, Sharon. I can't take this no more. I am done. I am sick of it. Do you hear me? Sick of it. I can't take it anymore. These people are the worst. Character and Smallman are sick of it. The Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle. I've got an easy one for you. Yes. Hope I don't steal yours. I'm sick of Nazem Kadri. It's that simple. I've been sick of Nazem Kadri, Randy. I still am, yeah. Been sick of him. Watching the game last night, you see it's him. I think so many of us watched it went, no. You gotta be, this guy. Again. This bleeping guy, again. Yeah. He is a major X Factor. As much as we can stand him because of the dirty hits that he's levied against Jordan Bennington and Justin Falk. He makes himself an X-Factor. 
He's a really good hockey player. He may wind up being the most sought-after sought free agent once we get to free agency on the 4th of July or whatever in the NHL because he had like an 87-point season and he impacts the game even when he isn't scoring. Yeah, because he's taking people out. Yep. <laughs> but you like to have a guy like that on your side. You know, we talked about Vladimir Tarasenko a lot mm-hmm. yesterday and about his production during the regular season, but how he wasn't necessarily there at times in the playoffs. Nazem Kadri is a guy who not only was there during the regular season, mm-hmm. but has taken over playoff games. I mean, what he had a hat trick versus the Blues. This is a guy who had been out since game four of the Western Conference Finals, battles through last night, and he finds a way to be the hero. He's a guy that gets it done for you no matter the circumstances. Here is my sincere hope that Kadri signs an extension with Colorado because I think Colorado's Kadri and the Blues' Matthew Kachuk will just have some epic battles. And it's, you know that uh, future blue Matthew Kachuk is going to take that personally. Yes, he is. He's going to make that a, per- a personal problem. Mm-hmm. Do you notice that Randy didn't even say future? Well, it's not done yet. So. Randy just said blue. <laughs> he just said blues, the blues Matthew Kachuk. You know how some people visualize world peace? I visualize Matthew Kachuk wearing number 19 for the Blues. You know what's cool about that, Randy? Yours is much more attainable. (laughs) Yours is is actually something that likely will happen. You know, I understand that some people are just really shooting for the stars when they think about world peace. Good luck with that one. They say if you you can't dream it, you can't do it, right? Right. But I think I'm going to set my sights on things that are more likely. Matthew Kachuk being here. I'm with you. Okay, you know what I'm sick of, Randy? Speaking of Nazem Kadri, I'm sick of injuries impacting great St. Louis athletes. I'm sick of Jordan Nazem Kadri taking out Jordan Bennington. As I watch the Colorado Avalanche get one step closer to hoisting the Stanley Cup, I am more convinced than ever that the St. Louis Blues could have beaten them and that the St. Louis Blues could be in this very same position. I am so sick that we had another day this week where we're talking about Jack Flaherty and if he's 100%. It just seems like there's so many instances lately of St. Louis athletes that we're talking about how great they could be or the team could have been great had X player not dealt with an injury. And I'm sick of it. Yeah, you hope... That Flaherty doesn't become a what if. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned this yesterday. Thinking because I, I put together our what if team. Yeah, my, you did. my what if team. I have to have Shelby Miller in my starting rotation. Shelby Miller's stuff was explosive. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit upset because I like Shelby. When the Cardinals traded him in the Jason Hayward trade, the Cardinals knew what they were doing. The Braves knew what they were doing. By the way, he's in the Giants minor league system and is pitching really well. But I would just put Shelby Miller down as one of those what-ifs for Cardinal fans. But I'm with you. I, I think we need to get away from these players being in too good a shape. I think they just need to loosen up a little bit, have some fun, go out and drink a beer, have a hot dog, play some golf, and don't work out all the time. I mean, just at Tyler O'Neill, why don't you? Yeah, right. I just did, didn't I? <laughs> just at him if you're going to talk. No, I'm kidding. But it's great to hear that it seems like that hammy isn't as severe as the Cardinals That's thought. Hopefully he'll know. be back sooner rather He's got hamstrings? He's got Every muscle, Randy. He's got muscles that we didn't even know existed. I blame the Boston Red Sox. You have one second half just fallout because your bullpen's eating chicken and drinking beer, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden it's just it's just completely just faux pas and, and Major League Baseball. I blame, like many things, on a Boston sports team. Uh, former Cardinal John Lester, by the way, <laughs> gets credit for that. 
That's a very good point. You know, they the man knew honored the 2002 Angels last night in Anaheim. Yeah, how about that? And they fired during the during the offseason, they fired Jose Molina, and Jose and Benji were not there. Obviously, Joe Madden would have been there if he would have been their manager, but he didn't want to distract the current team. So they had a lot of people from that 02 team that weren't there last night. Kind of a bummer. Big time bummer. So many former, in, or I guess at the time, I guess future Cardinals. The whole were, infield. Yeah. Gloss, Eckstein, Adam Kennedy, and Scott Spezio. The whole <laughs> infield for the 2002 World Champion Angels played for the Cardinals. They put out a tweet yesterday talking about it, and it was literally those yep. four jerseys, and I'm like, those are Cardinals, and all four of them. Benji was behind the plate for them. That's true, that's another one. Uh, I'm so sick of St. Louis not having an NBA team. Get it done, Dr. Chaffetz. I mean, don't put it all on him. Come on now, that's ridiculous. But No, I will. Get it done, sir. <laughs> there are people... <laughs> That are interested, yeah. So people that w- would be interested. Money. I, I don't think that we're getting a current team, and I don't think we're getting an expansion team. I think the league will do all it can to keep the teams that are in place now where they are. Gail Benson said that when she sells the Pelicans, she wants to sell them to an entity that will promise and guarantee to keep them in New Orleans. The Grizzlies aren't going anywhere. The Kings aren't going anywhere. And it looks like Michelle, if I'm not mistaken, Matthew, you can weigh in here too. That the uh, cities of Vegas and Seattle are getting the next expansion teams in the NBA. Well, LeBron very publicly is saying mm-hmm. he wants to own the team in Vegas, and yep. I don't think LeBron would very publicly say that if the wheels weren't already in motion. I agree with you there. Yeah, that's that's pretty much set in stone. So, so it'd be mean, nice, this, but you know, I don't see it happen. Bring the Pelicans home. This is where they belong. And then rename them to something much better. The that's, rhythm. I, I know you you love the rhythm and the blues. I do. I just I don't know if fun. I can get down with that. I, I say I say we invade we invade Utah and take the jazz name by force. But that's just me. What about the giraffes? <laughs> Tall necks? Mm-hmm. Tall people. Yeah. But they're not imposing. That's true. Well, I guess the blues isn't imposing. And they won a Stanley Cup. Cardinals aren't very imposing. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful <laughs> birds. The blues are yeah. a slow burn. Yeah, I guess we don't need an imposing name. But think about the the teams that we have in town. The Cardinals, majestic bird. Very mm-hmm. beautiful. Yep. The Blues, a color. likely the best logo in sports, in my opinion. Sad songs. Songs with heart. Yeah, they do have heart. Songs yeah. that I'm with you there. exude emotion. They're emotive songs. St. Louis City SC, beautiful crest. Mm-hmm. Beautiful colors. We don't necessarily need something... That's intimidating. We need something that will maintain the standard of excellence that our current teams have set in place. Okay, let's start with this. Are we thumbs up or thumbs down on team names that don't end in S? Um, I couldn't care less as Jazz, long as it's the right heat, name. You know what? As long as it's the right name. I like name. that it's different. I'm, 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 I'm good with it. Okay. It makes it tricky to like refer to the players. Okay. So, yeah, the, the St. Louis Riot. No. Indigenous? Go back to rhythm. Yeah, I don't like that one. Okay. Just throwing it out there as a possibility. That's fair. I didn't know you were such a Rotamine fan, Michelle. Uh, 636, I am sick of the Colorado Avalanche. I am sick of their bandwagon fans. I am sick of the Nazim Kadri martyrdom. And for the love of God, I am sick of Blink-182. Yeah. Hey, let's mention the main culprit here, too. Stan Kroenke. Yes. Thank you, Michelle. I hated the tweets yesterday. Oh, Stan Kroenke, one step closer to the never-been-done-before NFL, NHL, uh, same season championships. I'm like, oh, this dude doesn't even know what's going on. Blank and worst. He is the worst. And by the way, I, I would think that it's probably more important to have 
the Buccaneers and the Lightning winning a Stanley Cup than two teams in different cities. That's just random. That's, you know, that's like the, that Bill Davidson guy having the Pistons and the Lightning win in the same year in 04. One owner, he, he won in the NBA. So he's 20 years ahead of Kroenke in that regard. Yeah. Just giving him no credit for that one? None. All right, fair enough. Uh, I have one for myself. I am sick of, because guess what? This this has been kind of consistent with the cadre hate over the last month. I am sick of the XFL and, as announced, directors of team operations for the teams this year. How about that? I don't do know do they have those? Yeah, they have directors of team operations now. They but announced they don't them have the other day. Team cities? They announced them actually two days ago. They're idiots. But they, I don't know exactly where. These team operators, they seem like great players. I, I think they're going to build some really great franchises. I just don't know where those franchises are going to be yet. I'm sure the XFL does, but I have no idea. If the XFL gets started in 2023, you heard it here, they don't finish. Really? Yeah. They They don't appear to have a clue. You can't start a league without cities. No, you can't. They're, the, the players are doing a showcase right now. They're working players out right now, and just, it's it makes no sense to me. Again, the, the the lack of the community engagement that was such a huge part of it. Yeah, and and the, there was a reason why St. Louis took the XFL so much, and it, and it wasn't just because it was you know football and sticking in the eye of Crocky. It was because they got out there and they and they they hit the streets. They you know they they pounded pavement. Right. And you can't do that when you're in Dallas a couple hundred miles away. Pretty stupid. It's just not going to work. Yeah. I don't get it. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up, the MLB All-Star ballot is out. Who from the Cardinals is going to find their way to Dodger Stadium? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Closing in on the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. It'll be played this year in Los Angeles. And the voting is open right now. If you just go to MLB.com, you can vote. The voting ends on June 30th. The All-Star Game to be played in mid-July at Dodger Stadium. And the Cardinals, in first place in their division with a great fan base, have a lot of people that are worthy of being in the All-Star Game. And in my mind, several people that are absolute locks to be in the All-Star Game, led by Paul Goldschmidt, who's first in the voting. It seems like Paul Goldschmidt is someone we can write in Sharpie. No, no, Randy, I think that that's pretty safe, that Goldie is going to get elected to the All-Star Game. Yeah, he's the MVP of the league in, in the first half, so I think you have to go with that. He's the MVP of the league, period. He's going to be yeah. the MVP at the end of the year because he's not slowing down. That's, that's my prediction on Paul Goldschmidt. I think that's fair. Okay, so let's look at the other group of guys that could be considered and should be considered. I think that we need to start a campaign and get all of Cardinal Nation nationwide, internationally, too, because we know that Cardinal Nation runs deep. Tommy Edmond deserves to be an all-star. The production that he's had this season has been remarkable, and this is after this man has been asked to change positions. And not only has he not missed a beat, he has thrived. Tommy Edmond should be an all-star. He's fourth in the voting right now, and I think that we need to do our part and kick that up. Tommy Edmond is leading all position players in war this year. He's ahead of Manny Machado. He's ahead of Mike Trout. He's ahead of Rafael Devers. He's ahead of Paul Goldschmidt and ahead of Aaron Judge. Those are the top six. I'll give you the top ten. Jose Ramirez of Cleveland, Nolan Arnhardt of the Cardinals with three of the top ten in, Hello. The, in the war department. Don't look now. Yep. And then uh, Alvarez of Houston, Jordan Alvarez, and uh, Kyle Tucker of Houston as well. Yeah, if people are looking at the sport and paying attention, Tommy Edmond is a clear all-star this 
this year. Yes, he is. So let's put him in Sharpie too, right? Like okay, it, yep. Goldie Edmund. I think then we need to talk about the other guy who went yard last night. Nolan Arnato is second in the voting right mm-hmm. now. He's the best third baseman in baseball. I think that he gets it too. I think so. And Manny Machado is leading the vote, but... I don't know if he's going to be around for July 19th with that ankle injury. That looks pretty serious. But Arenado, even if he finishes second in the voting, he's going to be the backup. So I, I would say that based on what you have at third base around the National League, and everybody does need to be uh, represented, the only threat to Nolan Arenado would be Key Brian Hayes being the representative of the, of the Pirates this year. So I can't put Nolan in there in Sharpie, but I will put him on my list. Should we put him in, well, I guess not pencil because that doesn't seem firm enough. And pen you can't erase. How about erasable pen? How about we put him in Sharpie on the dry erase board? That's a good call. Let's okay, do that. There yeah, we go. Fir- it feels firm, but also you could erase it. Eventually, yeah. Eventually. See, it's difficult, to. but you, you can. Yes, you have okay. to find the eraser. Yeah. So, but I think he's going to make it. Okay, Arenado in there as well. And Randy, something that we just did sick of it, and something that I've really been sick of this year is Albert and Yachty not getting the grand farewell tour that I believe both deserve and both have earned. And I would love to make the case that Albert Pujols, Yachty Ermolina, and Adam Wainwright should all be representatives of the Cardinals at the All-Star Game. It's one of the great stories in baseball. These are three living legends. Adam Wainwright's having an unbelievable career, but I just think all three of them should be there and should be honored. This is this is one of those things, too, where you have to think about the storylines that are happening in baseball and give the fans what they want. And I think the fans would like to see those three guys there. I can go with you with Yachty and Albert, but Adam hasn't said that he's retiring. I, I don't think you can honor him this year because there's a chance that he could come back in 2023. I expect him to come back, but I just want all three of those guys to be together. I just want them all three to be recognized for all of their accomplishments together. I would love for that to be the case. I just don't think if you're MLB that you can take an active player who hasn't announced that he's leaving and say, okay, well, we're going to plug him in on the all-star team too, unfortunately. Now, I also don't think, by the way, that Yachty and Albert should be members of the team. I, I think it'd be great for MLB if those two are willing to go out there and wave to the crowd and show up, and I I would assume that Albert's going to go out there and visit his family anyway during the All-Star break. Just get those guys out there for a pregame TV introduction, let them wave, and then, like they did in, uh, where was it last? It wasn't Boston, because Yachty wasn't there. Where did they get honored and come out and wave to everybody? Oh, here in St. Louis? No, it was uh, last week on the road. I don't remember. Who who honored, where they both came out and waved? Boston? No, because Yachty wasn't in Boston. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yachty wasn't in Boston. I'm, I'm such an idiot here. You, you guys know. Um, oh, it was Tampa. Oh, right. Yeah, Tampa. Okay. They, they both came out and waved to the crowd. Got it. So uh, I, I think that would be a, a good thing to have. But I, I I don't think that with their production, either one should be on the All-Star team. I, I think the three position players that we have, and then Michaelis and Ryan Helsley, those are my five Cardinals. Michaelis and Helsley, I could get behind both of them. Miles Michaelis deserves to be an all-star, yeah. and Ryan Helsley has been filthy this year. So yes. Still the best reliever in the National League. Yes. So that's five Cardinals that have almost Sharpie-like cases to be all-stars. Pretty impressive. And the fact that Gorman's fifth, in the, fifth at second base in the limited time he's been up, I don't know. I think Brandon Donovan's going to make a late charge. We're, you know... Obviously, splitting time at second base with a guy like Gorman is going to be tricky, but I mean, you can't not keep putting up highlight plays like him and not start getting the recognition. 
think Tommy Edmonds showed that. The problem you have is that everybody has to be represented. And he, uh, I was thinking about this the other night. I don't think it's difficult to come up with a representative from every team. But as an example, Nolan Arenado, if you're trying to win the game, should be there ahead of Key Brian Hayes. Yes. But Pittsburgh has to be represented. Sure. N- nothing against Key Brian Hayes. He can. He's a viable all-star. He's just not as good as Arenado is. Yeah. And I think that's what could hurt the Cardinals in terms of the numbers of players that are at the game. This is random, Randy, but the 314 says, if you write over permanent marker with a dry erase a marker, a dry erase marker on a dry erase board, it easily erases it. I had no idea, but that makes sense. Should we test that during commercial break? I don't know if the fast lane would like that. They've got we all their gambling a, up on the board. In a little corner. I mean, we have the run, the road to the cup up there. That needs to be erased. Yeah, that's a good idea. We can Let's make some room. That. Yeah, that's kind of ugly right now. So here's what you've got up on our board. <laughs> oh, just to backtrack, we have a big dry erase board that's on the wall here in yep. the studio that all of the shows get to use. So you know Tanner from BKM Ferrario. He's their producer and a big part of their show. So there's a high Tanner with a smiley face from Katie Wu. Yes. Uh, there's a Jake Hearts the Fastlane. I don't know who Jake is. Uh, so, but he loves the Fastlane. Jake yeah. does. Michaelis, this is a BT best bet. Michaelis or um, Stephen Matz. M- more innings, Michaelis or Stephen Matz. That says B- BT or Anthony Stalter. So, yeah, I think BT is going to win that one. Yeah. Uh, BK, Moose to Royals. Mike Mustak is back to Kansas City. Uh, and then you've got down at the bottom Nick Foles to Jacksonville by end of next season. And somebody's got a bet on that. So somebody's got a $20 bet on that. You so know, that's what is showing up on our board here. You know what, Randy? So conveniently left out of the conversation. Oh, I, you know what? I can't see it because your your mic stand oh, is in okay, the way. okay. My bad. So in the corner, I had written Randy's prediction for Jack Flaherty in the 2022 season, which says, Jack Flaherty, 24 starts, 16 and 4, 2.73 ERA. I don't think that one is... Uh, that's going to... That's going to be cold takes exposed, I think. (laughs) I don't think that that one's going to hold up very well. Freezing cold takes. Yeah. I'll never forget when they retweeted me during, what was that, game three of the Stanley Cup final when Jordan Bennington stunk up the place. Mm -hmm. So I had tweeted pregame something like, Bennington's the god or something. (laughs) And then halfway through the game, they retweeted me. In the middle of the game, they retweeted. I I just hung my head in shame. I hung my head in shame, and I was like, I deserve that. Yeah. You got to own it. But then who won the cup? Bingo. Who's laughing at the end, freezing cold takes? Jordan Biddington was the god at the end. Um, But, Randy, I think that we can not only erase Road to the Cup, but maybe we can erase the Jack Flaherty thing. Yeah, I think that's fair. I just don't want to put any unnecessary pressure on him. You know, I just want him to go out there, feel healthy, and do his thing. We don't need to hold him to this 24 start, 16 and 4, 2.73 ERA standard. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think we need to hold him to that. I I, I like the standard of... uh, Throwing 94 miles an hour. Just throw a couple pitches 94 miles an hour, and that'll make me happy. You know what? Let's also not walk so many guys while we're at it. That's a good idea. Someone also wants to know what the current tally is on our greatest question score. Go ahead. All right, so... And we don't way, talk about I, this a lot. I got an interesting question yesterday, yeah, you but it doesn't count as a great question. It has to be, that's a great yeah. question. So for those who don't know, and we don't talk about it a lot because we don't want to poison the mind of our guests. We don't want them to hear it, but we have a little internal competition going on. And anytime that one of our guests says, that's a great question, Randy or I gets a tally on the board. So right now, Randy has 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. 
45, 49. Very good, Randy. I'm not unhappy about that. 49 great questions since our show started. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. I have 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 72 for your girl. So I need to start asking better questions, clearly. <laughs> that's that's my issue. This is what I think of, though, when I'm researching our guests and I'm writing questions. I'm like, will this elicit a great question? Can I get a tally that's on a the board? Thought. That's, how, that's how I prep. <laughs> Take it or leave it. It's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Michelle, Randy, Matthew with you. The text line is open right now, 65780 for Take It or Leave It. The Cardinals play at 110 this afternoon at Miller Park. Dakota Hudson will pitch against George Costanza, and the Cardinals will try to take a two-game lead in the division. George Costanza? Yeah. Love that. Jason Alexander going. Love that. So George Costanza goes for the, the Brewers. That's right. So here's my Take It or Leave It, Michelle. Okay. Uh, the Cardinals can take three or four and can pull two games ahead in the division. Take it or leave it, this is as big as a June MLB game can get. I'll take it. I'm going to take it, too. You're going against your division rival. The only other team that can beat you in the division. You're you're jockeying for position. This is it. I don't know at the st- how the stakes could be any higher in June. And this series has played out like we thought it would, right? Mm-hmm. Because we knew that... Uh, Corbin Burns was going to be great, and he was. And then you, you think you have the advantage with Flaherty, but you win the game. And then you think you have the advantage with Wayno, and you win the game. And now you think you have the advantage with Dakota Hudson against George Costanza, for God's sakes, is pitching in a major league game. Think about that. Think about Costanza being on the top of a mound and pitching. But you know what? Think about the diversity that this guy has, oh. the range he has, that he can do so many different things with his life, including being a major league pitcher. And has already worked in a major league front office. That's right. And He's now so is much. pitching. Yeah. You know, I've never seen Seinfeld ever, not one episode. It's very funny. Did I know. Did you see what he Everyone did able to do when it. he stepped in the batter's box? Oh, phenomenal. He showed those guys what he was yep. doing. And actually, Alexander's a, a pretty solid pitcher for the Brewers. And, and, it's, and it's an interesting pitching matchup because not only is it important, but I mean, these are two guys that if they can lock in and figure out their control issues and continue to be, you know, sub three ERA kind of guys, that completely changes the rotation for both of these clubs. So, I mean, these Dak Hudson versus Alexander, it's a really interesting one in June as well. Yeah, this will be his fifth major league start. But I think it's a, a big June game. I. I it's hard to have a big June game, but this, to me, is as big as a June game can get. Agreed. I would counter the the only thing bigger for me might have even been in this series where not only all of the same storylines and the same stakes existed, but Jack Flaherty also had his mm-hmm. own personal stakes right. and uh, his own personal tent poles that existed in that game. So I would almost argue that that, to me, was as 
important as a June as a June game could be because of the circumstances. Yeah. Um, Randy, yesterday we had likely our greatest conversation with Adam Wainwright. Mm-hmm. We have spoken to Adam weekly for years, and he gives us great stuff every week. But the conversation that we had yesterday had yesterday with Wayno was at the top of the list for me, and we're getting such great feedback from people who really enjoyed our conversation with him. But and here and now on our podcast, brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. You can just go to your, the app on the one hundred one ESPN app on your phone. Download that now, anyway, or you can go to one hundred one ESPN dot com or anywhere you find a podcast and find Character and Smallman from yesterday. And make sure that you listen to the Adam Wainwright yep. interview. Trust me, it'll make your day better. Well, Adam told this story at the end of our interview about the biggest crossroads in his career and likely his life when. In 05, he was sent down, and he wasn't there for the famous Albert Pujols home run off of Brad Lidge. And while that was happening, he was actually sitting on a boat in the middle of a lake in Georgia crying Mm -hmm. and yelling up to the sky about the way that his career had unfolded up until that point. And he made a promise to God that he was going to throw every pitch, whether it was in spring training and the offseason and a regular season game, like it was game seven of the World Series. And as he's telling us the story and how he goes out and does that, he keeps using the phrase stay right there Mm -hmm. about how things started going his way and people around him would tell him, you're doing great, stay right there. And as we know, Adam Wainwright, one year goes by and he goes from crying on a boat in Georgia after he's not a part of a postseason team to closing out the World Series. Take it or leave it. That's a movie, and it should be called Stay Right There. Oh, yes, totally take it. Right, and you can just, you don't even have to have Adam's career. Just go from 04 Olympic trials to closing out the World Series, and you've got a movie. And there's so many more little details in the story, which is why you need to listen to it on the podcast. Mm -hmm. But what, what I think is amazing about Adam Wainwright, Randy, is... We know him for all of the success that he's had, not only as a champion, but as a guy who's had an enduring career, a guy who's a leader, a guy who's a legendary cardinal. We rarely talk about the failures. And it was so amazing to me to hear Adam Wainwright tell us how many people told him, you're never going to make it. Yeah. Because when you look at someone with that talent, the the body, I mean, he looks like he is someone that everybody his entire life would have said, you're going to be a major league pitcher. And I was really surprised to hear him tell us that so many people said, you're never going to make it. And I just keep thinking about that conversation. And that is a movie. For all the great yeah. stories and sports that we've heard, that's a movie. That's a great call. All right. Uh, did you have something to add, Matthew, before yeah, we get to the uh, text? Take it or leave it. I need Robert Redford to come out of retirement just so I can hear this line from his from his lips. I'll be damned. Stay right there. I just need, at the very end, Tony LaRusso, just, I'll be damned. Stay right there. I just need I need that from, from a legendary actor. Robert Redford as TLR. I like it. But Tony wasn't that, Robert wasn't Redford. that old anymore. Al Pacino God. has to play TLR. Come Whoa! on. Pacino, stay right there. That's a little. Yeah, it's a little too much. It's a little too. No, you need you need a tough Italian it's guy. A too high level. Um, Dark hair can't be Robert Redford. It's it's got to be a tough Italian guy. It's got to be you Pacino. Know, I would rather have De Niro actually, but De Niro's too old for that now too. And I just don't know if he has the. I don't know. I just think that Al Pacino has the. I'm the the cold he can play the cold hearted guy and we love Tony we know that he doesn't have a cold heart mm-hmm. but in this role it has to be somebody that's going to tell Adam Wainwright the beloved character you're not going to make it and you're not coming to the postseason 
go back out, go back down to Georgia. Your career is over. And I think Al Pacino could deliver those words that would whack Adam Wainwright's career and make you believe them. Stay right there. <laughs> If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. That is Tony. No, I'm just getting warmed up. Can't you just see that voice saying, ask me at 1030? Oh, yeah. I've been around, you know. It's the first week of the season. There you go. You are on this. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? You're never going to make it. How do you not use that one on a daily basis? I don't need that one loaded up on no. a gun. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? I wonder. That's perfect. perfect. Someone says Adrian Brody for TV. Yes. Oh, there which it could is. Be a dark horse. Pat Riley? Adrian Brody's great in everything. Because you have to think, this is Tony LaRusa in 2005. I'll be damned. Stay right there. Oh, I'm I okay. Could, I could see Brody pulling that off. Absolutely. Hmm. I'm. He looks great with a window speed. I'm open to a lot of suggestions here. John Hamm will fight to play him. Who will play Adam Wainwright, though, is the question. This is going to be tough. I'm going to tweet yeah. that right now. It's going to it's be like the Elvis movie. It's some young guy we haven't heard of yet who comes out of nowhere and it blows our mind. Yeah. We'll ask Adam next week who he would like <laughs> to play him. him. That's a good idea. Who plays him All in right. the movie. Uh, let's get a few more texts. Yeah, take it or leave it. Mo has an A- minus for trades, but a D- minus for free agency. Ooh, I would, I would have to agree with that. Uh, free agency has not gone particularly well, especially in the pitching department when you consider Brett Cecil and you consider... <laughs> How did I know he was going to be yeah. the first well, one mentioned? But Mike, Mike Leak did not turn out particularly well. Stole a few, though. <laughs> yeah, he stole a few victories. Well done. Now, a couple checks. Got to get credit for Kyle Loesch, right? Kyle Loesch wound up being a great Cardinal for a few years. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, when you're looking at the Andrew Millers, left-handed relievers in particular have not gone well in free agency for the Cardinals. Randy Chode had a couple of good years. His third year was not good. Yeah, so this year, not great. Pat Neshek? Pat Neshek was really good. Uh, yeah. So he, he was an all-star. Yeah. So, yeah, that, yeah that's was. a good one. But I mean, especially when you look at this year. Albert has been productive against left-handed pitching, but we've gone down the list of other guys this year. We don't need to do that to Mo again. And I feel like the Albert thing, he he made it known that he wanted to come back. Yeah. He kind of forced his way back here. It's not as if that was a, a difficult decision for Mo to make or someone that he went out and they scouted and brought in. Right. Uh, take it or leave it. Brendan Donovan's nickname should be Donnie Doubles. Uh, the players call him Donnie Baseball. Which I'm, I like better because he does yeah, it all. I'm good with Donnie Baseball. He's not just doubles. He does it all. No. Donnie ba- and he is a ball player. That right. guy is just a, a damn ball player. So I love Donnie Baseball. And, and we moved away from Tommy Two Bags, right? Yeah. And I don't even know if Tommy has a nickname now. We'll I like give Tom, him one. I like Tommy Two Bags. That's good. I like Tommy Two Bags. Take it or leave it. Donovan is in the batting title race at the end of the year. Leave it. I'll leave it too. But I want to take Goldie's it. Goldie's going to be there. Yes, he will. Jeff McNeil will be there. I don't think uh, Donnie Baseball will. One take, more. Take it or leave it. Should the Blues take a run at bringing back Ryan Reeves? Uh, no, I'm going to leave that. I'll take it. I love Ryan Reeves. And I think they need that. They need some sandpaper. They need a Well, I guess future Blue Matthew Goodchuck can He's do that. He's provide that. Yeah, he will. So, eh. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think you want to... You, you don't want your cap to be affected by what Ryan Reeves will command. I'm just thinking of... Wouldn't you like to know that if a Nazem Kadri situation happened, that somebody's going to go out there and show them who's boss? I think Revo only had like two fights this year. But not, you know he's capable of it. Yeah, but I, 
I'm going to go with Kachuk because Kachuk, I think, will go a little bit more ballistic than Revo would. But that's yeah. your star player good and put in the box then. Revo is just – there's a reason the enforcer has been a fourth liner but he's for, not a for, whack for 30 job. years. I, I, I want – if you're going to respond to Kadri, you got to respond in kind. Okay, I mean that's. I mean that is how the Blues responded. Perron and Pavel Buchnevich weren't, weren't ready to have yeah, that. We're we're biblical here. We're an eye for an eye. All right, so you know, churches on all four corners, baby. Hey, what you need is a twister. Now, a twister. Ryan Revo never did what Twister did. A twister would. We've mentioned this before. When Probert was, I think he was gooning up Gretzky a little bit. Love gooning up. And Twister goes by the uh, the bench of the. Of the uh, Red Wings, and just says to Scotty, "I say, hey, get your guys settled down, or Eiserman's career ends tonight." When did we get away from eye for an eye? It's a very effective strategy to get people to not do terrible things. If you thought that what you did to someone else was going to be done to you, if you thought that I'm going to rob from you, but then someone's going to take all your Mm -hmm. things, I bet you would think twice before you did bad stuff. I like that thought process. Gandhi rolled in in the '60s and kind of hit us with the whole makes the whole world blind. It was, a, it was a good piece of advice, I thought. It's kind of wise. That's only one eye. I heard I was talking world blind. One eye. Come on now. Yeah. How about if you have a third eye? How could you be? How could you be blind? How could you have third eye blind? Are they coming in concert? Third eye blind. Do we have a giveaway that you're feeding into? I don't know. Yeah, about. I don't think so. I, I okay, know we're good. Okay, okay let's. I so, know they're still around though. We are getting off of the. Uh, the schedule here of the program. My podcast partner, Steve Cerruti, works mm-hmm. at The Ringer. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Loves Third Eye Blind. And I, he's always like, oh, did you hear the new Third Eye Blind album? I'm like, they're still together and putting out music in 20, 2022? No, I was unaware. 25 years of Third Eye Blind. Yeah. And let's see. Uh, I mean, Jumper, are... kind of a bummer. Yep. It was, okay. a, it was a bop, but kind of a bummer. That was Patrick's first CD, I think. Third Eye Blind? Yeah, a long time ago. Mine was, was Ace of Base. Okay. Uh, Jimmy World. Did we just have Third Eye Blind? I could have sworn. So, okay. I could have sworn they were just here or going no, to be no, they, You heard a promo right before we came in for this segment about Third Eye Blind coming in. Oh, did I? Yeah, they're coming through for um, uh, Fair St. Louis. Oh, oh, that's right. So we literally just heard a promo. Classic. 12, right. 12, 13 and a half minutes ago, you heard a promo talking about Third Eye Blind. That's it, why they're in your new brain. So it's not, not listed crazy. on their tour. That's the thing. So like, they're listed in Kansas City on June 30th, Prior Lake, Minnesota on July 1st, Milwaukee on July 2nd, and then nothing on the 3rd. So uh, are they here like on the 3rd? or the, They must be on the 4th. So are you just going to pack up a van, Randy, and follow Third Eye Blind around the country? <laughs> yes. My goal here. A, a roadie for Third Eye Blind. Yeah. What's that lead singer saying? Stephen Jenkins? That's too difficult for me. All I know is I was listening to Semi Charmed Life in 1998, not knowing at all what it was actually about. You know what, Randy? I'm proud that you listen to our commercials with a sharp <laughs> ear. Must have been concentrating on something else. It's subconscious. <laughs> Just okay. Burrows it, burrows into your head. Yeah. Uh, hold on here now, kids. We are going to, by the way, get to uh, the toughest thing you've seen in sports in just a few moments. But I want to give you the knowledge that I should give you. Uh, Sunday, July 3rd, Third Eye Blind at Live by Lowe's Rooftop Seating. Oh, look at that. Rooftop for Third Eye Blind. Show is free. Limited reserve seating on the rooftop. Bullock at Live by Lowe's is available Tickets are not required for entry. All bleacher and standing room will be available on a first-come, first-served basis. That is uh, 6 o'clock 
on uh, the 3rd of July. It's a Sunday. I also have some great news from friend of the show, Jeremy Rutherford. Uh-huh. As you give the third eye blind news, JR texts us with some great news that I think our audience might appreciate just a tad bit more. He says, FYI, future blue Matthew Kachuk joining JR, BK, and Tanner at noon today. Oh, I love it. Good. So set those alarms, people. Future Blue Matthew Kachuk on 101 ESPN at noon today. Love to hear it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. That is Matthew. And coming up next, we heard Adam talk about how tough Yachty is and the toughest thing he's ever seen in sports. What's the toughest thing you've ever seen in sports? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What people don't know, I, I walked with him to the clubhouse because he needed help. I, the trainer had him on one side and I was on the other side. And I walked him up the stairs and every step he took, it was like he was getting kicked by a mule. And it was just over and over again. The whole way there, it was like, oh, and I was like, oh my God, that hurts so bad for you right now. Like, oh God. Oh man, that, that had to be one of the most painful things in the history of the world. That's Adam Wainwright talking about helping Yachty or Molina up the tunnel to the clubhouse after Yachty had been hit in the gonads with a 102-mile-an-hour <laughs> fastball and actually had to have surgery because it ruptured. Ooh, hurts to hear. And that got us Yikes. wondering, because that's one of the most extraordinarily tough things you'll ever hear about an athlete doing, right, is being able to survive after that happened. And then doesn't legend have it that after he had the surgery, he walked out of walked the hospital? Out of the hospital. <laughs> Which I almost would argue is tougher. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So you think about that. And then he came back, and as Adam mentioned, he got in the crouch with Jordan Hicks on the mound again and did it and wasn't afraid. That's tough and fearless. So we wanted to hear from you about the toughest things you've ever heard about or seen in sports. And, Michelle, one that I didn't think of that I forgot was Ronnie Lott having the team doctor for the 49ers just cut the tip of his finger off during a game so that he could go back out and play. That's nuts. Yeah. That's absolutely, that transcends toughness. That's just absolutely loco. It, it really is. <laughs> just and, uh, cut up my finger yep. so I can play. Another one, and I don't know that people were aware of this, but Chris Long had no business playing in the Rams' last game in St. Louis against Tampa. No. His ankle was shredded, and they loaded him up on every painkiller that you could ever imagine. A team that had no chance of making the playoffs. And he, under ordinary circumstances, he was like on crutches, but he goes out and plays that game. Unreal. He's a gamer. And no good reason to play either. No. Not like he was playing for anything other than personal no. pride and for his teammates right. and for the city that supported him. Randy, when I think about the toughest thing that I've ever seen in modern day sports, for me, it's not even close. The thing that I will always put number one on the list is Alex Smith and the injury mm-hmm. and subsequent infection and surgeries that he had to endure and the comeback. It wasn't just that compound fracture and the fibula and tibia of his right leg. It was the sepsis and the infection that came after he had to have 17 follow-up surgeries and a grueling rehab process and for him to be able to not only 
endure all of that and walk again, but find a way to come out and play football again. I don't know if I'll ever see anything tougher. And if you haven't seen the 30 for 30 piece that they did on his injury and see those photos and and see just what he was having to deal with, I can't believe that that was even a consideration for him, that getting back and playing football was even something that he wanted to do. So that's mental toughness and physical toughness to me that surpasses almost anything. Matthew, one of my favorite niche ones is Dewan Blair was a basketball player for Purdue in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He he tore both his ACLs in high school, and then he played the rest of his career four years of college ball and like six years in the NBA without any ACLs. That's pretty. Darn and he tough. just kept going until his knees finally just couldn't take the damage anymore. Yeah. That's one of the most impressive things I ever remember hearing. Uh, somebody texted in, and uh, Katie Carricker mentioned this one last night was Kobe shooting free throws after he tore his Achilles. Unbelievable. <laughs> And anyone that you talk to, well, we talked to Adam Wainwright about tearing an Achilles, and he talks about how it rolls up the back of your leg to, to think, I mean, it, it does make you shudder even to think about it, and to think that that could have happened to him, and he's still shooting free throws is outrageous. Yeah, and then one of my all-time favorites, and Chaser has told this story on our show before, but it's Brendan Shanahan getting high-sticked accidentally by Keith Kachuk in 1994, and last game of the regular season, and Shanny wants to become the first player to get 50 goals, 100 points, and 200 penalty minutes. He gets high-sticked, has to get 48 stitches in his in and around his mouth, Ooh. comes back in the third period to get a goal. I, I think it was two. No, it was a goal and an assist to get up to 100 points, and then got into a fight to get to 200 penalty minutes with the, the stitches in his mouth. And the great story by Chaser is Shanny is laying on the training table between periods, between the second and third period, and Shanny says to Chaser, Oh, I look. <laughs> and Chaser says, Well, I'm not going to tell you, but more chicks for Chaser. Unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable line. Uh, the 314 brings up a great one, Randy, and that's Carrie Strug's vault. Oh, and, yeah. And the injury. I'm looking. She had, um, was, was it a broken ankle? I'm looking it up right now. I think it was a broken ankle, but to me, after we saw what Simone Biles had to endure from just a mental standpoint, knowing how doing these gymnastics exercises and the manner in which these Olympic athletes do, what a risk it is to your body anyway and how you have to be in such a focused mental state to even be able to put yourself in that position. To think that she had injured herself like that, the gold medal is on the line Mm -hmm. and she can summon the strength physically and mentally to not only run on that ankle, but lock in and do the vault. Real tough. Especially on that stage and under those circumstances. That made it legendary. For sure. Very cool. Uh, Another good one, this one from the 314. Mike Matheny, when he was with the Brewers, getting hit in the face with a pitch, doesn't even go down, and then walks to the dressing room, and then plays the next day. Mike Matheny's a tough guy. (laughs) Yeah, he's a a foxhole guy. You want him on your side. Uh, Also, uh, Bob Gibson, after he got hit on the one-hopper from Roberto Clemente in 1967, broke his leg, but then kept pitching. Jack Youngblood broke leg. Playing with a broken leg. Crazy. Did we mention Tiger Woods yet? Playing no. on the knee? That's always up there, too. Yeah, so he plays... Back then in the U.S. Open, if you were tied, you played a full round on Monday, the next day, and Tiger's tied with Rocco Mediate after the Sunday round, and... Throughout the weekend, people were saying, oh, he's he's acting, he's being a drama queen because he'd limped around and 
uh, he'd fallen down after shots and people are saying, oh, he's just trying to get attention. And so Tiger goes out, wins the tournament at Torrey Pines on Monday. And then on Tuesday morning, we find out that he actually played the tournament with a broken fibula and a torn ACL. Yikes. <laughs> That's tough. Super tough. Mentally tough. Tiger's one of those guys, though, once you found out about his Navy SEAL training that I think thrives on putting himself in tough environments and enduring. He he literally likes to train like that. So I'm not surprised that he's someone that could summon the mental strength to overcome the pain that he was likely feeling at that time. Mm-hmm. Randy, I love this one too from the 314. Zidane Chara in the 2019 yeah. Stanley Cup Finals broke his jaw wired shut still playing. Yeah, coming back literally the next game to play. Well, and... Yeah, he had to go to the locker room. We all thought he was done, right? Yeah. And he comes back and plays, and doesn't play a lot, but just to get out there with a broken face. The fact that you would even consider it. Yeah. And who was it, Bortuzzo, that took the puck to the face yeah. and then comes back? These hockey players are just built Crazy. different. How about uh, our guy, Baseball Jesus? I can't believe it took this long, seven minutes into the segment, and we haven't mentioned my favorite Cardinal of all time, Baseball Jesus, a.k.a. Chris Carpenter. And did a lot of things. He's one of the few guys ever to come back from a torn labrum and succeed. But when he was pitching in 04 and he could not feel his face because of nerve damage, uh, how can you go about life, let alone going up on a mound and competing on a major league level, and competing well, by the way, when you can't feel your face, and by the way, shoulder and wound up having to have a rib removed. They got a rib removed, yeah. no problem. And now we're back playing, no big deal. Yeah. Yeah, but th- think about that. How you how are you able to really get a feel for the ball and be able to focus on what you need to be doing when half of your body is numb? <laughs> Crazy tough. So my, one of my favorite things about Chris Carpenter, and I will never forget this, and I don't know why. I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but this is something I will always remember about him. Just like we said, Tiger likes to put himself in situations where he has to overcome circumstances and pain. I remember in a pregame interview one time, Chris Carpenter, I think it was with Jim Hayes, was uh, doing the interview as he was getting a tattoo. And he's like, I love the pain. I love getting tattoos because I love the pain. And I was like, of course you do. You love, he's just a guy. He was, he was just doing an interview? Oh, <laughs> you did all the show. That's right. <laughs> you know what, Randy Carriker? I need to put some respect on your Michelle. name. I need to put some major respect on your name. I for, But you, by the way, were doing the tattoo and doing the show because the Blues had won, not because you just like the pain. But, That's true. But yes. you know what? I don't think one tear was shed during the four hours of the fast well, lane, right? All due respect to our guy, baseball Jesus, but I didn't feel pain. You just felt joy because the Blues had won? Yeah. And it, maybe I'm just tougher than Chris Carpenter. I don't know. Whoa. <laughs> uh, Matt, write that down. That's a clip that we need to pull off. <laughs> I said I don't know. <laughs> when Randy's complaining about something, we need to remind him that he at one time said he might be tougher than Chris Carpenter. <laughs> But I've never gotten a tattoo, never will, not my jam. Um, mostly because I don't like needles and don't want to have to sit there while a needle jabs I never saw out. a needle. Yeah, it was on your back. That's yeah. true. Uh, on his shoulder, by the way, not lower back right. situation. No just, tramp stamp here. Just <laughs> That would have been hilarious if you got a banner on your lower back that, my, that said that Stanley Cup Champions yeah. and the cup right above my favorite thing. Grady, why didn't we negotiate that into the deal? That would have made it a little bit more hilarious. To be honest with you, the the tattoo, which I like, but it did wind up being bigger than I thought it was going to be. It's really big. Yeah. It's but like I your love entire it. it's shoulder. Yeah. It's great. Um, 
But yeah, that, that's also one of the toughest things that I've seen in sports. Randy Carricker doing an entire show live while getting a tattoo. And kind of in lockstep with that, Randy, the 618 says the toughest thing in sports was Anthony Stalter having to cover the Rams pre and post games. Oh, my. Yeah, I always tell people when uh, when I get introduced, because it's still in my bio for whatever reason that I did Rams pregame. Never take it out because people need to understand what you had to go but through. pregame was easy. Postgame was punishment. No, see, I think post was easier because all you had to do was open up the phone lines and let people commiserate together. It was kind of a, it was almost a, a community feeling circle. Pre-game, because we were the home of the Rams, we had mm-hmm. to somehow try to pretend that they could win. We would have to, fi- remember, yeah. I was the producer. We had to finesse segments so that the Rams wouldn't get mad and somehow pretend that they had a chance in these games. Thank God for Rick Venturi. Oh, gosh, was he the best. Because he, he could find just, a way. He could, well, he he could can... just break things down. Yeah. You know, it didn't have to be anti-Rams. He could just tell you why Seattle was so great or why yeah. the Saints were so great. Yeah. But remember, they used to get mad at us. Oh, it was unreal. So the, the, this is just old timey stuff. Kevin Demoff had rabbit ears. I don't know if he still does. But two things come to mind. Number one, one time we were airing a Monday night game and the Rams fell behind, way behind. And somebody that had access to the 101 ESPN Twitter account uh put up on Twitter, thought it was very funny, due to contractual obligations, 101 ESPN <laughs> will bring you the second half of the game between the Rams and whoever they were playing. Hilarious. And Demoth, Demoff sees it, and they were on the road, sees it on Twitter, and just goes into our booth and explodes that this has happened. It was very funny. It was great. What The response should have been, if you don't like it, you can play better. Play better. Or and, draft better. And then the other one was, so it's, were you here for the poll for the best coach. No, it wasn't even a poll. It was a discussion. Who's the best coach in the NFC West? And Carroll is rolling with Seattle. Arians is rolling with Arizona. Harbaugh is rolling with San Francisco. And we've got Jeff Fisher. And the question was, who's the best coach in the NFC West? And obviously, we don't include Fisher. Right. Because you've got guys that are going to Super Bowls. And sure. guys that have turned around franchises. He's not in that conversation. No. And they're listening. Love it. They were listening on the app. They had it downloaded. Thank you for downloading it. Yeah, we did appreciate that. But they got mad because our team was two and six or whatever, and the other teams in the division were six and two, and we didn't include their coach. I think my favorite was when we did a Sports Center update, and I think it was when the 49ers were bad, and it was Rams 49ers, mm-hmm. and just a kind of a casual mention in the update. It's the battle for the basement in the yeah, NFC yeah. West. I think they had won, won one game, and it was December. And they called and were mad yeah. that we said the battle of the basement. And we were like, play better. Uh, by the way, one more thing, Randy, before we wrap up, how you, we talked mm-hmm. about you potentially getting the tramp stamp of yep. the Stanley Cup champions mm-hmm. down below. Uh, the 618 reminding us that instead of a tramp stamp, that mm-hmm. should be a champ stamp. A champ stamp. Good call. I think we need to make that a thing, a champ stamp. Yeah. For people that got those championship tattoos, if you have one on the lower back, it's a champ stamp. Tweet it at us if you have a champ stamp. I don't want to see some of those because I bet they exist. And we did get multiple texts. I want to add this one in. Uh, Rich Peverly of the Dallas Stars literally dying on the bench with a cardiac uh, situation. Literally died on the bench. They had to revive him. And as soon as he gets revived, asked how much time is left in the game and if he can go back in. Unreal. (laughs) Just built different. Hockey players. Hey, if uh, you'd like to participate in the fight, we'd love to have you. Just text the word FIGHT into 65780. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN.
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. It is time for the fight on Carragher and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. That exact time is 8.35 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Let's bring in the brave soul that's going to challenge Megamind on this Thursday. Let me check my notes here. It is Rory. Rory is joining us on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Rory. How you doing? Hey, good morning. I just uh, hope I can, uh, you know, put Megamind to the test and just not get swept. I hope you can, too. I, I hope that not only you don't get swept, Rory, but that you beat him. I think he needs to be humbled a little bit. He's been calling a shot before the segment, playing the Sounders. You need to be the one to check him, my man. Hey, I'm just begging for some hockey trivia, and that's about all I got. <laughs> well, you are not in luck today because there are zero hockey questions, Rory. <laughs> hockey zero. makes me sad right now. Zero hockey questions. I'm sorry about that. All right. I hope that you like baseball, basketball, and football. Ah, let's put it to the test. All right, here we go, Rory. Good luck to you. Question number one. The Orlando Magic have owned the first overall pick three times in their franchise history before tonight, selecting Shaq in 92, Dwight Howard in 04, and what other player first overall? Was it Markel Fultz, Penny Hardaway, or Chris Webber? Let's go with Chris Webber. Barry Bonds is the only player in the 500 home run, 500 steals club. But with 338 steals, who has the highest total on the 500 home run list not named Barry Bonds? So with 338 steals and over 500 home runs, who has that total? Is it Ernie Banks, Willie Mays, or Hank Aaron? Uh, Let's go with uh, Willie Mays. All right, Rory, how many different times did Billy Martin manage the New York Yankees? Was it three, four, or five? Three. And happy birthday to Ladanian Tomlinson. Tomlinson was the second ever backfield player to catch 100 or more passes in a season. Who was the first? Was that Marshall Falk, Larry Centers, or Roger Craig? Do you mind repeating the question? Yeah, Tom, happy birthday to Dan Tomlinson. He was the second ever backfield player to catch 100 or more passes in a season. Who was the first? Marshall Falk, Larry Centers, or Roger Craig? I'm probably wrong, but let's go with Marshall Falk. Have confirmed the score. Have waved in Randy. I think Marshall Falk, and Randy will know this, I think he was second in total receptions on the greatest show on turf. Randy, is that true? Who? Was Marshall Falk second in receptions in the I Greatest Show on I he was, trip? yes. Unbelievable player. He was really, really weapon. good. Really, really good. Randy, say As a matter of fact, one of the toughest things, again, last segment, uh, he's out with three weeks, four three weeks in 2001 with a bruised knee and comes back, and I think his third carry against Carolina, 71-yard touchdown run. Boom. He was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Randy, say what's up to Rory. Rory, good morning. How's your golf game going? Oh, my <laughs> golf game is a little to the left, a little to the to the right. Okay, you don't sound like you have an Irish accent. We appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you playing. Thank you very much. Good morning and thank you. Are you ready, sir? Ready. Question number one. 
the Orlando Magic have owned the first overall pick three times in their mm-hmm. franchise history before tonight, selecting Shaq in 92, Dwight Howard in 04, and what other player first overall? Okay, Shaq, Dwight Howard, and who was the other one for the Magic? The other first overall pick um, for Orlando. Uh, I don't think it's a guy on their team right now. I'm going to have to do the lifeline. I don't remember off the top of my head. I, I'll know when you give me the lifeline, but this is really bad. Is it Markel Fultz, no. Penny Hardaway, or Chris Webber? It was Penny. Barry Bonds is the only player in the 500 home run, 500 steals club. Mm. But with 338 steals, what player in the 500 home run club is the closest to joining Barry, or was the closest ever to joining Barry Bonds? So with 500 home run club, with 338 steals, who is it? Off the top of my head, I've got to go A-Rod. How many different times, Randy, did Billy Martin manage the New York Yankees? How many stints? I believe it was five different stints. And happy birthday to LaDainian Tomlinson. Tomlinson was the second ever backfield player to catch 100 or more passes in a season. Who was the first? Larry Centers. Rory, Randy. Wow, wow, wow. We have a tie. Wow, Wow, what a fight. Both of you got two correct. Hmm. Interestingly enough, Rory got the first two correct. Randy got the last two correct. Hmm. So uh, some parody here. All right, we're going to the tiebreaker round. Here's how this is going to work, Rory. I'm going to read the tiebreaker question. Randy's going to write his answer down on a sheet of oh, paper. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got to give him I'm a vamp here so Randy can get his paper ready. ready. Oh, he's ready to go. I just see a big number 52 written down. That's the last time we had a playoff. Okay. He's going to write down his answer on the sheet of paper. We're going to give you first crack at it, 10 seconds to re- share your answer. We'll reveal what Randy has written down if... Usually it's a closest to the pin situation. I always mm-hmm. say first to get it correct or closest to the pin, but we had both of you get it correct before. So it's not really to, to get it first. Yeah. So um, so we'll determine a winner. Rory, are you ready? Yes, ma'am. Randy, are you ready? Ready. Okay. Dudes, here's your tiebreaker question. How many times was LaDainian Tomlinson named to the all-pro team? How many times was LaDainian Tomlinson named to the all-pro team? The AP All-Pro team, by the way. just to First or second team? Clear. First team. Okay. Sorry. Okay, so do you want to yeah, clarify first, that yeah, then? AP All-Pro first team. Okay. That's what I, when I, when I think, time, all, when I think many, all pro in my head, that's what, I, that's what I always think. How many times was LaDainian Tomlinson named to the AP All-Pro first team? Sorry. Randy has shared his answer with me. Rory, whenever you're ready. I'm going to guess seven. Rory. Seven times. Strong guess was seven. Randy. I said five. Closest to the pin. Hope it's not six. (laughs) (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) We do have someone who's closer to the pin. It's almost a showcase showdown. Is it Rory or is it Randy? As we now know, he likes to be identified as Rockio. He identifies himself as Rockio. Mm -hmm. Rockio, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight. Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Someone didn't 
love you enough when you were little, did they? Oh, my oh, God, really? Randy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, my God. We're attacking Rory's family? Just win, baby. We're attacking his upbringing it and was, his parents? There's a problem with my machine. Sure. Because I was playing those Al Pacino cuts earlier. Yeah, sure. Likely excuse. You've taken this bragging to a whole nother level, attacking people's childhood. You're going to have to pay for Rory's therapy oh. after this. Jeez. Rory, on behalf of Gary Gurren's mom, and I apologize. That's uh, okay. It's, it's going to be one twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, Ricky, I was high when I said that. Are you saying you're under the influence hitting these buttons, Randy? Maybe. <laughs> Things are getting weird here. Sorry, Rory. Okay, let's read our answers. So the Magic have owned the first overall pick three times in their franchise history before tonight. Shaq in 92, Dwight Howard in 04, and Chris Webber in 1993. Yeah. C-Webb, that's right. Barry Bonds is the only player in the 500-500 club. 338 steals. Who has the highest steal total on the 500 home run list not named Barry Bonds? The answer there would be Willie Mays. Oh, yeah. A-Rod is at 329. Okay. How many different times did Billy Martin manage the Yankees? That would be five times. Mm -hmm. He just can't quit them. And Steinbrenner couldn't quit him. That's right. (laughs) I just can't quit you. The last three are separated by like a year. Two of the last three are separated by like two years. (laughs) Talk about not being able to quit somebody. He would have press conferences, Steinbrenner would, to say, Billy's coming back next season. So he, he would fire a manager, but effective at the end of the season. It's it was almost unreal. like Jason Garrett and, and Jerry Jones. Even though Garrett wasn't fired and coming back, it was always like, I don't know if he's our guy. And yeah. then by the end of the season, he was like, he's, he's coming guy. back. Yeah. He's coming back. All right. It's LaDainian Tomlinson's birthday. Happy birthday to him. Hope he's celebrating. He was the second ever backfield player to catch 100 or more passes in a season. The first was, in fact, Larry Centers, who did it in 95 with 101. Mm-hmm. 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 Randy knew that. Arizona Cardinals. There you go. And the tiebreaker question, how many times was LT named to the all or excuse me, the AP All Pro first team? I just ran Burgundy, I read what's on the sheet. Rory guessed seven, Randy guessed five. The correct answer is three. Okay. Three. There you go. Rory, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Sorry that Randy attacked your upbringing. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It's you know, just sometimes it happens. <laughs> it does happen sometimes. Rory, on this thanks show. so much for playing. We appreciate it. Have a great Thursday. Thank you, guys. Rory, are you with us on 101 ESPN? Randy, you stunt on him, you beat him in the tiebreaker round, you crush his hopes and dreams, and then you say he wasn't loved enough as a child. Here's to the winner. I am the champion. I am number one. One more. Win, 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 win. Don't stop believing. Oh, and George Steinbrenner. I wish I knew how to quit you. I didn't know you had that at the ready. Very well this done, is, Randy Carriker. Good job. This is very Victor Wright's history kind of of Randy Carriker right now. This is this is rough to watch. Hey, I had a great time yesterday at the Demetrius Johnson Charitable Foundation Golf Tournament at Forest Park, and I had a chance to play with Ken Dabinsky and Tim Holloway and Jesse Holmes. We had a great time playing. It was good to see so many people. Brian Jordan, who we talked to yesterday, was there. Uh, Dan Weinstore, great friend, who is with the Painting and Decorating Council, was also there. Coach Drinkwitz was there. Coach Ford was there, Eli Drinkwitz from Mizzou, Travis Ford from St. Louis U, uh, Dennis Gates, the new head coach at Mizzou for their basketball team, Dickie Nutt, one of his assistants. Saw a lot of good people and good friends. Klaibs was there right at the front talking uh, to to everybody. Uh, Mike Jones, the tackle, was there. So it was great to see so many great people and for a great cause because what DJ does in our community is remarkable. It really is. And it's just a testament to who he is and what he does for the community that so many people want to come together to support him. Yep. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk some blues.
News Hockey with Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Let's go to the Braun and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our friend, the one, the only, Jeremy Rutherford is with us on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? That is a great question, Randy. You can oh, put that on the board there. JR, how dare you? Breaking the system here. I'll give it to him. I'll give it I'm to him. To, but just know I don't appreciate to, it. Oh my God. <laughs> trying to help him catch up. You're the man. Wow. Love you. So you're going to be on with BK. It's BK and JR this afternoon. So this morning. Yeah, and Tanner, uh, Alex is out. So uh, yeah, it'll be 11 to 2 with uh, the three of us. Sounds good. All right, we got to start with this because you're having Matthew Kachuk on the show at noon. The at the moment, Flames forward, future blue, <laughs> Matthew Kachuk. How difficult? Well, let me put it this way: What will be the biggest hurdle for the Blues if they desire to get Matthew Kachuk into a Blues sweater at the start of the twenty two twenty three season? So, is it going to be dealing with Calgary? Is it going to be opening up salary cap space? Is it something else? What would be the biggest hurdle? Yeah, I think it would be coming to the decision that uh, you're willing to give up the assets that it's going to take to get him this year as a restricted free agent and then be willing to, you know, open up the the vault for a a contract. I mean, uh, we've talked for a couple years now that if you waited until unrestricted free agency next summer, that uh, perhaps you could have him sign in St. Louis and not have to give up the assets. So, you know, what's Calgary going to want? There's obviously going to be a lot of interest in Matthew Kachuk around the league if indeed they decide to, to move him. Uh, if they can't re-sign him. And, and I think for the Blues, you're talking about giving up, you know, some decent assets. So I think that would be the biggest thing. You know, if you want to clear the space, you'll be able to clear the space. Uh, if, if you want to, you know, uh, wait to sign him, you know, that can happen. But to me, it would be the combination of giving up the assets and signing them to the big contract. And JR, for Matthew Kuchuk to get here, as you mentioned, the Blues would have to clear up some space. What does that mean for the future of Vladimir Tarasenko? Well, that's the biggest thing, and and so uh, we don't know where that's headed yet. Uh, Doug Armstrong, when I asked him at the end of the season, you know, do you see uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, and and what do you see with him next year? You know, he said, I'm not worried about Vladdy next year, and you can take that a couple different ways, and and only Doug and Vladdy's camp knows that, and uh, at the moment there's there's just no news on that, so we'll see. But obviously anything that Doug Armstrong does this offseason, I think can revolve around Tarasenko in terms of, uh, cap space availability. We can talk all we want about how tight things are, but if they were to move him, you know, it suddenly frees up 7.5 unless you're bringing that back uh, in the trade. So we'll have to monitor and see what happens. But just as we speak here today, no news on that. JR, you talked to David Perron late in the season about his situation. Where do you think the David Perron situation sits right now? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they're still in those negotiations. And listen, uh, we all have been a part of these situations where there's no news and then there's uh, a press release in the afternoon. You know, the latest information I have is that they were involved in those negotiations. And, you know, what I had heard uh, was that uh, the number wasn't necessarily uh, what Perron was thinking. And uh, it's a two-year deal, you know, is the speculation. You know, could the Blues go to three years? They probably don't want to do that with a 34-year-old uh, David Perron, you know, but I think that he'd be willing to come back on a two-year deal, you know, if the price is right. The one thing is he really wants to be here, and I really do think that 
he would take less to stay in St. Louis. I think we all know that. But how much is, is you know, too less? And I think that uh, you get to a situation when you produce uh, the way that he has the past couple of years, where if he left St. Louis, he could be, even at age 34, you know, a five and a half, six, six and a half million dollar player, if not more, on a short term contract. So if you're going to get him in the fold as a St. Louis Blue for, let's say, two years, uh, I still think that uh, he deserves to get somewhere close to that number. And a guy who's just as important as David Prawn on this team, JR, is Ryan O'Reilly. We know that he's definitely locked in for next year, but when do you think the Blues are going to start opening up conversations with him about an extension? Yeah, and maybe they've had those uh, discussions behind the closed doors. The one thing is with players who are on multi-year contracts, like Ryan O'Reilly is finishing with the Blues. He in- They inherited that contract from Buffalo, of course. Uh, you can't talk contract extension officially and announce that until the final year of the deal. And the final year doesn't begin until July 13th. That's the start of free agency. So, you know, even if uh, the Blues and Ryan O'Reilly were talking contract and had a three-year deal on the table, you know, something like that, uh, it's a situation where they're going to have to wait until after July 13th. That's not to insinuate that they have. It's not to say that uh, there will be one announced before the start of the season. But I think both sides just like with uh, David Perron and the Blues coming out publicly and saying there's mutual interest there, I think there will be with Ryan O'Reilly too. And, you know, if I had to lay a bet, I would think that there'd be something done sooner than later uh, with Ryan O'Reilly. No sense in, in waiting for him to play out the season. You know what you're going to get in him with him. He can still produce and uh, certainly has done an outstanding job as the captain. JR, I haven't paid as close attention to this as I should. I know that Gary Bettman said during the season that the salary cap was going to go up a million and then the Blues are essentially going to be docked a million, so they'll have the same cap as last year. But, <laughs> excuse me, um, what about in future years, beyond next year? How does the cap look? Yeah, a little bit better, but you just don't know. It really is a year-to-year thing. You know, uh, Doug Armstrong, Tom Stillman, who I've uh, spoken with the past couple of years about that, you know, they, they heard the projections from the league. And, you know, even a couple of years ago during the pandemic, the projection was that it might go up a million, you know, as soon as 22-23, and that's what we're seeing now. Uh, but they didn't anticipate, and nor do people around the league anticipate, any sort of significant jump in the coming years. I know Gary Bettman here at the Stanley Cup, uh, announced that league revenue uh, was was looking good this year. Uh, but in terms of seeing a jump that's going to take us three or four or five million, I, I still think we're a few years away from seeing something like that. I think we're going to see minimal jumps until then. Uh, JR, when we talk about assets that could potentially be involved in a potential deal to bring Matthew Kachuk here, what are some names that you think Blues fans should be expecting to hear talked about? Well, yeah, that's where you have to be a little bit careful because certainly everybody, including the Blues, would want a player like Matthew Kachuk, but you can't do it at the expense of creating a hole elsewhere. And so, you know, when I throw out a name like Robert Thomas, I'm not saying that his name would be in the mix, but, you know, what good does it do to trade a Robert Thomas to Calgary uh, if you're going to bring back Matthew Kachuk and you'd like the two to play together? You know, same with a Jordan Cairo in, in my book. So, I mean, if you're talking... Uh, a first-round pick, if you're talking a Neighbors, a, a Zach Bolduke, if you're talking, you know, players off the uh, the roster, you know, I think the Blues could probably come up with some sort of combination. But, Michelle, it's just a situation, you know, like Doug always says, you can't fill one hole and, and create another one. So um, the, the thing with this is we're talking about a 100-point player in Matthew Kachuk, a skilled guy, a guy who shows up for his teammates and – you can't just assume that because he's a hometown guy here that that's going to be the best offer that's made to Calgary. So if the Blues were to get into that mix, 
you know, they're going to have they're going to have some competition. You know, I've heard uh, Vegas. I've heard some other teams that would certainly uh, be in those conversations with the Calgary Flames. Jr. One more thing from me, and it's re- in reference to those names you brought up. Uh, in, in talking to people over there with the Blues, I, I get the sense that they are really reluctant to move guys like Bolduc and Neighbors because they're young, good, cost-controlled players. Yeah, I think so too. And listen, the Blues needed a top four defenseman, right? And when they were in those conversations, I'm sure they were asked about Neighbors and Bolduc, and they decided to stand pat. And it worked out with Nick Letty, but it just showed to me how much that. Doug Armstrong wants to hang on to those guys. And I've said this before, but I'll stress it again. How good has Doug Armstrong been at sustaining success over the tenure uh, that he's had here in St. Louis? And it's because he's able to evolve the roster and have those picks continuing to to join the team and then fill in the holes uh, where guys have left the organization. You know, it's almost been like there's been a core underneath the main core this entire time. And if you look at the Blues situation, I mean, even if you have Ryan O'Reilly and a David Perron, let's even say a Tarasenko for another year or two, who do you have in three or four years? That's when your neighbors and your Bulldukes and then maybe Cairo and Thomas are entering their prime. That's, those are the players that you need. So if I were Doug, you know, I'd be a little stingy too uh, in any conversation involving those guys. And uh, just one quick story here before we let you go. Back in the day, baseball meeting, Oakland A's clubhouse, the union is there, and they said, when you reach tenure, then your pension will be fully vested. Ricky Henderson goes, tenure? Hell, I got 15 year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's the best. He's the best. Uh, shoot, yeah, there's a lot of those uh, Ricky Henderson stories. And, and uh, hey, guys, listen, so we do have Matthew Kachuk coming up at noon, and we certainly can't or won't ask him about, uh, you know, speculation about coming to the Blues. He's under contract with the Calgary Flames. But do you, do you guys have any other ideas of ways we can try to get it out of him? Maybe ask him what his favorite color is, blue or red, or Great idea. Uh, who he'd like to. <laughs> what do you got for me? Got any ideas? You guys are the good question askers. Uh, have you ever dreamed of playing hockey with anybody who lived in your house? <laughs> there you go. Robert there Thomas. you go. Forget about that. Um, let's see, Randy. How can we phrase it to where he can answer the question without answering the question? Would yeah. your preference be if you had the choice to play in the town where your favorite baseball team played? <laughs> I'm writing these down, guys. Hey, listen, I listened to that uh, Wainwright interview, which was unbelievable. So I'm following your lead on the question here. So I'm I'm jotting these down, and we'll be asking them here at noon. Maybe, JR, ask him about David Freeze and Pat Maroon and how special it would be to be a hometown hero and, and get to go. have that moment. Michelle, that is a great question. Oh, JR, putting that one on the board, too. Thank you for equaling it up. JR will be tuned in 11 to 2 here on 101 ESPN. BK and JR in for Alex Ferrario with Tanner as well. And Matthew Kuchuk coming up at noon. Thank you, sir. Thanks, guys. See you later. That is our friend Jeremy Rutherford. He is from The Athletic. He's our Blues Insider. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. It is time now for... You're killing me, Smalls! 
a little Woj bomb yesterday, Randy. So we know that Kyrie Irving's future with the Nets, it's kind of in question, mm-hmm. right? And that teams are starting to look into Kyrie and see if it might be a good fit for them. And the Lakers, according to Woj, are considered the most significant threat to land Kyrie if he does leave Brooklyn. Him landing in L.A. would require him to take a pay cut, though, about $30 million. Why did he leave Cleveland again? Because he wanted to be the guy, the number one guy. And who was the guy in Cleveland? LeBron, Randy. It was LeBron. Hmm. That one doesn't make an awful lot of sense to me. Unless Kyrie is determined that he's willing to not be the guy. But wouldn't we kind of think that with Brooklyn? And wouldn't you kind of believe who Kyrie is at this point? Just like Russ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like Russell yep. Westbrook. They're both really talented players, but I think the book is out on them as teammates and about uh, guys that can fit into a team and uh, make their skill sets malleable to a team. And I just don't know why the Lakers, after the Russell Westbrook experience, would want to bring in Kyrie. I don't understand this. To use Charles Barkley parlance, both of those guys think they're bus drivers, but they're both passengers. Kyrie and Russ? Yeah. Yes, they are not. They try to be bus drivers, mm-hmm. but they can't get out of the parking lot. They're line. trying to rest control. They're, they're trying to pull the driver out of the seat and take over. And once they do get that driver's seat, they do, don't do it like you say. They, keep, they have trouble getting out of the parking lot. Or if they do get out, it's like Shaq when Shaq drove the bus. Yeah, exactly. It's not pretty. <laughs> they knocked down the... Or was it Chuck driving the bus? It was Chuck driving the yeah, bus. Yeah, it was. That knocked down the barricade. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember if Chuck just hopped on. No, Shaq hopped on. Chuck was driving. I'll say this. Russell Westbrook and Ky- I think even more so Kyrie Irving, they're so gifted. And I don't disagree with the people that say that Kyrie Irving might be the best ball handler in the history of the league. But he, he would have been the... If he would have played his game, he would have been perfect in Boston, but he couldn't play his game. Mm-hmm. And he has to, like you say, be malleable and accept what he is. But that's never going to happen now. I would love to hear from Jason Tatum on what Kyrie was like as a teammate. Because even though Jason Tatum is the guy, at that stage in his career, I think it was a different circumstance with Kyrie. And I also think while being the guy, Jason Tatum isn't as commanding of the spotlight Mm -hmm. as someone like LeBron. So I would just love to hear how it was for someone like Jason Tatum at that stage in his career to deal with Kyrie. Maybe the worst thing that ever happened to Kyrie Irving was hitting that game-winning shot against Golden State in the finals. Because now he thinks he's the guy to take the shot at the end of games he should be passing to the guy to take shots at the end of games he shouldn't be taking those shots kevin durant should be taking those shots lebron should be taking those shots Mm -hmm. tatum should be taking those shots Kyrie should be manning the point so do we think we'll see him with the lakers next season yes because the lakers have no clue do you think it will be a fun train wreck for all of us to watch it will we'll have another special edition Doritos package that says Nacho Year. Oh, gosh. (laughs) 
I I love how much you love the Lakers falling apart. <laughs> I, I get a kick out of it. You yeah. really do. You're killing me, Smalls. One of the biggest sports crimes out there is not only that Mike Trout is buried on the Angels, but that Shohei Otani is buried on the Angels. I hate that this guy is putting together another season like he did last year and that most of America does not get to see it. Two days ago, Randy, two days ago, he had a two-home run, eight-RBI performance. And what did he do last night? And the Angels' 5 nothing victory over the Royals. He struck out 13 batters across eight shutout innings. Think about that for a second. In two nights and back-to-back performances, Shohei Otani had two home runs and eight RBI, and then he struck out 13 across eight shutout innings. And most people in this country did not even get to watch it. He is such an incredibly transcendent talent. And... You're right. He's he's buried with the Angels. It's a shame that he's there. And he's going to be a free agent after next year. I, I hope that he gets into a more visible spot because he is just too good to be stuck where he is. Now, two nights ago, you mentioned the two homer eight RBI game. Uh, Angels record when Shohei Otani has two homers and eight RBIs is, according to Jason Stark, 0-1. Record of all other teams in live ball era when any player has two-plus home runs and eight RBIs, 126-3. Wow. How did they waste that? How are they wasting that? How? I don't understand. It's a waste that we don't get to see it, and it's a waste that they don't put those guys in a position to win. And here's a waste that I could do a much better job of running that franchise than they're doing. When you go out and sign Anthony Rendon for $240 million, and you don't need Anthony Rendon, you need Garrett Cole, who is from there and would have come. You need pitching. Yeah, they've always needed pitching, and they've never signed pitching. And everybody knows they need pitching. Right. You know it. I know it. They know it. The guy that they talk to at the deli every day knows it, but yet they go and get Rendon. And how can you not want to play in Anaheim, California? Everybody wants... If the money's right to play there, and pitchers would love to pitch there, just doesn't work. It's it's really a shame. And I guess it starts at the top with Artie Marino, their owner. Yes, it does. There seems to be a common thread there. Yep. You're killing me, Smalls! And finally, Randy, uh, some sad news to report to That's you. That's said. Kendall Jenner and Devin Booker uh, reportedly broken up. Now, they still care about each other. There's a possibility of a reconciliation. But after two years of a whirlwind romance, they have broken up. And I know that they're your favorite celebrity couple. So I just, I'm sorry to bring this up to you. Michelle, you texted me last night with this tragic news. And I just said, are you okay? Yeah, and I really am not. I got to be honest with you. Because this was going... This was going to be my benefer. This, it, Kendall and Devin. I mean, uh, Dedel. Kevin. Devil. Oh, <laughs> devil. <laughs> devil. Kendall. Dev. Devin and Kevil. Uh, Kendall. What did it be? Dendel. Dev. Dev. No, I'm, I'm going to his D E V. Oh, you're just and giving her A L L. Devil. That was going to be my benefer. Wow. And I'm shattered, Shadoobi. Uh, Shadoobie. Phoenix Suns 2023 NBA champions. Yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that. Let's go. It's just awful. I can't believe it. I mean, you would think. Those two crazy kids. 
coming from a family with so many stable relationships over the years that Kendall would just follow in their footsteps, right? Sure. And have another long-lasting, loving relationship with the athlete that she's dating. Because it's happened with all the other sisters in that family. Yeah, I just know that you really love them together. And I'm sorry to break this news. That's why I did it as the last segment yeah. or the last story in the segment, excuse me. And um, I'm just hoping that you can gut it out for the rest of the show. I'm going to have a good cry All right. before we visit with John Denton from MLB.com, who covers the Cardinals. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. The Cardinals will play a 110 game this afternoon as they wrap up the four game series at Milwaukee against the Brewers. And we were mentioning during the break that John Denton has done a great job in his first year covering the Cardinals at MLB.com. Just go to Cardinals.com to see all of John's work. He joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Good morning, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we're, we're honored to have you, and I want to start with this because you have a, a great piece about Johan Oviedo, and really, until the last couple of nights, when Johan Oviedo has either started a game or come into a game, I've been one of those that said, whoa, here we go, but he, uh, he, he looks like he's kind of figuring things out. Yeah, Randy, you know, this, this new role seems to really have fit him. Like, we all know, you know, three years Oh, uh, you know, 19 starts, no wins. He was 0 for 9 in those uh, those starts. Just couldn't seem to find his footing. But they think now in small doses, I mean, there's never been a doubt about the kid's ability. You know, he's 6'6", he's 245, he throws 97 miles an hour. It just comes down to can he throw strikes? Can he be uh, emotionally mature enough to, you know, to gut through tough at bat? And, you know, so far, they've really worked with him off the field. Mike Smaddix is watching more film than ever with him. Uh, you know, he's had three great outings now, and finally he got this streak off his back. He was one more start away from tying the all-time baseball record for, for no wins and 20 starts. So they shift him into a new role. They seem to really have found something. And, by the way, you mentioned uh, his size. I remember we were down in spring training a couple of years ago. We're in Jupiter in 2020 before the pandemic hit. It was his first spring training, and he's walking in from the parking lot, and Brad Thompson said, who's that? Because he just <laughs> looks the part, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, Randy, I covered the NBA for 24 years, so with Wainwright and Verhagen and, and Oviedo, it feels like I'm back in the NBA locker room. I mean, he's six seven, two forty five. You know, he could be a he could be a power forward in the NBA. I mean, he's an imposing guy, and like we've all said, I mean, the kid can throw 97. He can throw a wipeout slider. He can blow people away. I mean, Adam Wainwright said last night, "What I wouldn't give to have that kid's stuff," and but he also said. Someday this kid's story is going to make a great book. It's going to be in a book how he had to fight his way here from Cuba and he had to go through uh, 24 appearances without getting a win. And, you know, he made no secret about it last night. He, you know, he's 6'7", 245 pounds. He was bawling like a baby after the game last night. When we were talking to him, his eyes were bloodshot. They were bleary. You could tell. And I asked him, I said, were there tears? He said, oh, a lot of tears, a lot of tears. So, you know, he wasn't too macho to admit he wasn't crying. So, even if he's a big guy, it really hit him last night. 
Such a great story, John. Well, another Cardinals pitcher that's trying to find themselves again and, and get back in the win column is Jack Flaherty. He had five walks in his second outing with the Cardinals, three-inning stint. What do you think of what you've seen from Jack so far? You know, Michelle, it's, it's almost like he's fighting himself. I mean, you can see Jack on the mound like he's laboring between pitches. Uh, he's doing, you know, a lot of crazy kicks and uh, shrugging his shoulders and bad body language. And, uh, you know, we all know us with kids, Sometimes young 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 guys can be uh, a little stubborn, feel like they know it all. Uh, you know, Jack fought to get out of the last rehab start. He wanted to start in the major league level. He was shocked how how uh, you know pumped with adrenaline he was, and he said he was as juiced up as ever. He couldn't believe it again in the Pirates game. So he's battling his nerves in that first game, and then the other night he looked like a guy. You know, like I said, was fighting himself. His, his mechanics were off. He was throwing across his body. He was falling off to his left big time and it was all he could do to string together two or three strikes in a row because he was his mechanics were so off so you know jack's one of those guys right now he looks a little bit scared like like why is this happening he's been a an ace his whole life you know he pitched at harvard westlake and he was a cardinals opening day starter in 2020 and 2021 and he's always been that guy that the team could depend on and i think it's really working on him mentally right now that he's struggling but Again, he's one of those guys whose stuff is so good. If he can just get his mechanics right, get his mind right, you know, we we all know he's going to be good again. Hey, John, I wanted to touch on the bullpen with you, and this is going to be the last thing from me, but it seems like with Hicks having a nice outing in his initial rehab start, with Zach Thompson emerging, with Oviedo emerging, all of a sudden we're getting to a point where those first six relievers, I feel a lot better about that group than I did even a week ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll eat out my mall set all the way back to spring training. You you produce, you're here. You don't produce, you're not here. And, you know, it's right now TJ, TJ McFarlane, Nick Whitgren, Verhagen, those guys have to be looking over their shoulder because Oviedo's come in and filled that bridge role. Uh, Zach Thompson has moved ahead of TJ McFarlane as a lefty. Uh, you know, I, I really think Andre Pallante, the rookie, if you were doing a top five Cardinals list of MVPs right now, I think Pallante would be on that. When they took him and moved him into the starting rotation, it really created a big hole there in that bridge role uh, between the starters and, and the back end of the bullpen. And, you know, uh, now that Pallante started, they really needed somebody to step up, and Thompson and Thompson and Oviedo have really done that well for him the last few games. I, John, I think we can all agree if we're talking about MVP list for the Cardinals that Paul Goldschmidt would be firmly at the top, correct? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. If he if he's not the favorite to win the National League MVP, it would be, you know, a miracle. I mean, the guy leads in every category. He leads. You know, he's one of those guys who says very little, uh, but he leads by volumes. You know, the biggest examples ever. Uh, I was talking to uh, Nolan Arenado last night, and they've always had kind of a running head scratcher why they can't both play well at the same time why they can't both play well in the same game uh last night they both hit a home run for only the fifth time in a year and a half but they're five and oh when that happens so you know when paul on when paul goldschmidt plays well when nolan arenado play well uh this team's going to do well and you know we the cardinal fans get teased with instances where they both play well 
And I think they everybody knows if you could ever get those two playing well together at the same time, the Cardinals could have a scary offense. Last thing for John Denton, and you're going to be disappointed in me because we have the fight every morning at 8.30 here on 101 ESPN. And a question this morning was about the Orlando Magic, who have the first pick in the draft tonight. <laughs> They've had the first pick in the draft three times. Shaq and Dwight Howard were two of them. The third... The third was Penny Hardaway. They they drafted uh, well. They drafted Chris Webber, and they traded him for Penny Hardaway at about six picks. Uh, Golden State really wanted uh, Chris Webber, uh, so they you know they they the Magic wisely took Chris Webber and then traded him to Golden State for for uh, for Penny Hardaway and then a slew of picks that they turned into Mike Miller and Vince Carter and all these guys. So. Yeah, as long as the Magic get the number one pick, they do well. If they don't get the number one pick, they <laughs> historically they've picked the wrong guy. John Denton, great stuff and great answer there. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Enjoy the game today in Milwaukee, and we'll see you when you get back home. Okay, appreciate it, Randy and Michelle. Take care. You too, thank you. It's John Denton. Covers the Cardinals on uh, MLB.com at Cardinals.com. You can follow him on Twitter. And like Michelle and I said, he's doing a fantastic job. John Denton, D-E-N-T-O-N, 555. No wonder I thought it was Penny. Well, you weren't wrong. That's the thing about the that's the thing about the the NBA draft that you have to remember compared to like the NFL draft is that, you know, teams might have deals in place well before the pick is announced, but with the way that the rights are traded and things like that, technically teams still make the pick. So technically, the Magic did take Chris Webber first overall. Yeah, they did. And I, I loved Chris Webber coming God, out. I thought was he was going to be awesome. And, I mean, and eventually, he had, he had a good career. I was going to say, that Sacramento Kings team, I think, might be the least talked about, most fun like basketball team yeah. in the last like 30 years of the NBA. You had Peja, you had Vlade. They threw the ball around. They passed the ball. Movement offense and a lot of three-pointers in the late 90s, early 2000s. That team was fun. Yep. Hey, coming up, the PGA is re- reacting to the Live Tour. We'll tell you how next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. One of the things that Phil Mickelson said about the PGA Tour when he started his departure to the Live Tour was that the PGA Tour was greedy. And since the Live Tour has come into existence, and not only are they paying incredible guarantees to the golfers, the big-name golfers that come over, but they do have incredible purses as well, larger than almost, well, pretty much everything that's on the regular PGA Tour. As a response to that, yesterday, the PGA Tour, Michelle, sent a memo to players detailing about $54 million in purse increases for eight existing tournaments. The Century Tournament of Champions will move to $15 million in purse money from 8.2. The Genesis Invitational, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, the Dell Technologies Match Play, and the Memorial all move from 12 to $20 million in purse money. The Players goes from 20 to $25 million. And the FedEx St. Jude Championship and BMW Championship move from 15 to $20 million. So with that, with the $54 million in purse increases available now to PGA golfers, where was that $54 million being spent before? Honestly, this is 
we don't want to give Phil a lot of credit in this situation because a lot of people aren't pleased with him that he took the uh, Saudi-backed live money. But he's not wrong in this situation. And I think he got a little vindicated when the PGA all of a sudden came out and said, here's more money to increase the purse here to entice you guys to not want to take the check from live. And as you said, Randy, where was this money all along? It didn't just come out of thin air. So clearly they were... having this money uh, to themselves and they weren't giving it to players and it existed. But I just think it's um, it's a, a real shame that the PGA couldn't just do the right thing in the beginning and give yeah. the players a bigger taste of what they should have been getting. And it takes a Saudi-backed live tournament pulling players from the PGA for them to be forced to essentially do the right thing. Now, the PGA Tour players, there are some that are exceptionally loyal. Colin Morikawa took to Twitter the other day to insist that he's not leaving for the Live Tour. If you were going to pick one person that would stun you the most if they would leave the PGA Tour for the Live Tour, any player on the PGA Tour, who would it be? Rory McIlroy. Me too. Yesterday he said about the players that have departed recently, specifically Brooks Kepka. am I surprised? Yes, because of what he said previously. I think that's why I'm surprised at a lot of these guys, because they say one thing and then they do another. I don't understand that, and I don't know if that's for legal reasons or if they can't. I have no idea. But it's pretty duplicitous on their part to say one thing and then do another thing. When McElroy was asked whether he was referring to Kepka's comments from two years ago or a week ago, he said, the whole way through, the whole way through, in public and in private, all of it. And... He is taking shots at these guys, not incorrect shots, but for a guy who says, hey, I don't really think about these guys as people any differently, it seems like he's now developing a different feeling about the people, especially a guy like Brooke Kepka who said, I'm staying, it's not about the money, I'm not motivated by money, then all of a sudden he is. Well, the thing that really pops out to me about that quote, Randy, is in public and in private, because clearly they've had personal conversations about this. And if your book's kept going, you don't really know which way you're leaning, but that hundred plus million dollars is enticing, and you have conversations with guys like Rory McIlroy, and you continue to insist to him behind closed doors that this isn't something you're going to do, and Rory's out there being the face of the PGA and blasting the guys who are making this decision and then you go and you make a hard left and you take the money without giving him a heads up that's something that I would take personally too if I was Rory if we had conversations behind closed doors and you lied to my face mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's different to me than you going out there and saying what you need to say publicly before you make a decision another thing that isn't ta- and by the way let's go back to Rory's comments from yesterday here's Rory in his own voice am I surprised yes because of what he said previously. You know, I think that's why I'm, I'm surprised at a lot of these guys because they, they say one thing and then they do another. I don't understand that, and I don't know if that's for legal reasons or if they can't. I, I have no idea, but it's pretty duplicitous on, on their part to say one thing and then do another thing. You're talking about something you said two years ago or a week ago? The whole way through. Yeah. The whole way through, in public and private, all of it. So that's what we were just discussing. And Michelle, one of the things about this that we really haven't hit on a lot is that a lot of the players that leave talk about the eight-match schedule. If I were a pro golfer, I'd want to play golf. I I would want to play on a regular basis, and especially the guys that have left. They can play pretty much what they want, but I wouldn't want to be limited to eight tournaments a year. But didn't Brooks Kepka say the only time I play golf is when you guys see it? Yep. Yeah, he did say that. So So this doesn't doesn't, sound like a guy who doesn't... It sounds like his job, and he shows up when he's required to, and in his off time, he's not playing golf. And I would say that 
99, if not 100% of the people that watch Brooke Kepka when he does play on TV, they have more passion for the sport than he has, which is kind of weird. They could never be as good as he is, but I think most golfers would love to play not yeah, every week. They would like to play. Maybe take a couple of weeks off because you're traveling and you're playing four days a week during the summer, spring, summer months. But I think most people would love to play more. And I, I get the sense that Rory's one of those guys. He's kind of a grinder and likes to play a lot. But some athletes really do look at this as a job. We've talked to athletes yeah. before that don't, if you're a basketball player, they don't watch other games when they go home at night. We know, we've talked to Dave, David Perron, who's going home and he's going to watch highlights and watch the other games and certainly pay attention to what's going on in the league because he genuinely loves hockey. But we've also talked to players that are just athletically gifted and that this is their job and they treat it as such and they don't want to spend their off time caring about their job. And I think there's room for both. Some people can compartmentalize better than, than others. But I guess given given that, it doesn't surprise me that playing less golf would be, in, for more money, more guaranteed money, would be enticing to Brooks Kepka. Oh, the more money being the operative and most important phrase there. But if we're going to give all these guys a really hard time for taking the money and going to live, shouldn't we be putting more of a spotlight on the PGA for withholding the money? I was just going to go back to okay, that. Okay, good. Because I think that there is a bigger point to be made here about these athletes and why this money is so enticing to them to leave the PGA. Because a lot of, even Tiger Woods, when this live thing first started, had talked about the PGA and how the construct needed to be revisited and every golfer has spoken out about the fact that they think that the way the PGA exists currently could use some tweaking in one way or another and I just think it's pretty interesting that it takes all of these guys leaving the PGA for them to somehow be forced to come up with more money that existed all along. On a different level it's not unlike the NCAA college athletes and name image likeness. Great point. Because the NCAA has all that money. They didn't want to spend it on athletes and it wound up costing them because they went to court and thought they were going to win in the Supreme Court and they didn't. But at the end of the day, what the PGA Tour was doing was controlling the players NIL. Now they'll be able to go for the tournaments henceforth and be able to utilize that. But now it seems like after the horse is out of the barn, the PGA is backing off a little bit. Basically, every entity in sports is greedy. Whether these mm-hmm. athletes are greedy for going to live and taking the guaranteed money, or the PGA is greedy for hoarding the money themselves and not making the purse bigger, or the NCAA is greedy because they're making money off these kids that aren't profiting from it, or the, or the player is greedy because before NIL, they're taking duffel bags of cash under the table. It's all about money. And if I'm an athlete, I know that I have a finite amount of time to capitalize on my craft and on my skill set. And I'm trying to get what I can because the, the entity at large is not taking care of me. They're lining their own pockets. They're figuring out how they can make money. Mm-hmm. But because they're under this umbrella of the PGA, which is an American entity, they can point to these athletes and say, how dare you take the Saudi money? We're, we're going to villainize you for being greedy. All the while, they're just as guilty of being greedy. You're 100% correct. Everybody There's, involved is greedy. Nothing, nothing to add. <laughs> That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming back on 101 ESPN as we head down the stretch. If the Colorado Avalanche do win the Stanley Cup, is it tainted? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Kierker and Smallman, we head down the stretch here on 101 ESPN. And last night, Nazem Kadri scored in overtime to give yeah. the Colorado Avalanche a 3-2 win and a 3-1 lead in the best of seven Stanley Cup Finals. And Michelle is none too happy about this. Why would I be happy? He's the guy that knocked Jordan Bennington out and stopped the St. Louis Blues from hoisting the cup for a second time in franchise history. Because I truly believe, had Jordan Bennington been in that series, the Blues would be playing in the Stanley Cup final right now. So after the game, you're thinking, okay, well, that's why John Cooper would be mad. The head coach of the Lightning was pretty angry. This one's going to sting much more than others just because I think it was taken on. It was potential. I don't know. It's hard for me. This is going to be hard for me to speak. I'm going to have to speak. I'll speak with you tomorrow. You're going to see what I mean when you see the winning goal. And I, my heart breaks for the players because we probably still should be playing. Um, I'll be available tomorrow. Too many men on the ice, and it wasn't called. Colorado had six skaters on the ice, and it wasn't called. And I totally get why John Cooper feels that way. If If... The Lightning, if that penalty is called and Lightning get a power play, they probably win the game, and it's 2-2 going back to Denver. So, Michelle, the way I'm going to look at this is even if Colorado does win the Stanley Cup, it's not going to be real. They they might as well just sand it down. They they might as well have it just be the most dull, boring trophy in sports. Just sand all of the shine off of the cup. Put, Put tar on it, because that's what it'll be if Colorado wins it. It won't be worth anything. You know, Randy, be a totally tainted Stanley Cup championship. Just an asterisk in yep, history. Yep. Um, so I was taught growing up and still believe that karma is a real thing. That if you're a bad person and you do bad things, that eventually that's going to come back to you. And I'm kind of wondering if karma is asleep at the wheel. Is karma mm-hmm. a bear that's hibernating? Where are you, karma? Because not only should Stan Kroenke not have won one Super Bowl championship, he certainly should not win a Stanley Cup championship either because he's a bad person who does bad things and should not be rewarded for that. Nazem Kadri is a player that hurts people and does bad things. He should not be the guy that is the hero time and time again. The Colorado Avalanche should not be having six men on the ice and not having it called to go win Stanley Cup Finals games. Where is karma? Where are you? Lazy. Karma, you're lazy. You're you're not there. You you have one job, karma. One, one job. job. Yep. And like Bill Belichick says, do your job. That's all I'm asking. I'm you, with you. you clearly were asleep during the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. karma did not enact what should have happened and let the Cincinnati Bengals win. Where are you now? Or did Sam Craggy just pay off karma too? <laughs> He's capable. He really is. Definitely capable. All right. uh, As we head down the stretch, we want you to get the opportunity to win a four-pack of tickets to Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash. Cards and Marlins on June 28th. That's next Tuesday. A limited edition dual bobblehead giveaway featuring former Cardinal pitchers John Stuper and Dave LaPointe. Get all the details for the Budweiser Bash now at cardinals.com slash promotions. Right now, get four. Get four tickets to the Budweiser Bash next week. And all you need to do is be texter... 17, texture number 17, what 90s sitcom character is starting for the Brewers against the Cardinals today? What 90s sitcom character is starting for the Brewers against the Cardinals? The person that answers that correctly gets four tickets to the Budweiser Bash next week at Bush Stadium. It's going to be great. No hints. A show I was just going to say. It's a, it's a show that Michelle needs to desperately watch. There's your hint. There's your hint. Somebody's... Uh, Actually, he's saying that karma is a bee. Karma is a bee. Yeah.
It's just sometimes it's, like sometimes it's just slow. You know, you never know. It's just, it might you might you know the slow burn of karma. You just got you got to give it some chance. You know, it's taking care of everything in the universe. You know, sometimes it's a little bit slower. Yep. Michelle, you have a giveaway going on in addition to our Budweiser Best ticket giveaway. I do. I recently had a great day at Palm Health, and I'm giving away a day pass on my Instagram. So if you go to at m smallman and that's m o n not m a n, you can uh, put your name in the ring to win. All you have to do is follow two people, and you could have a very relaxing day over at Palm Health. Do do some cryo, some infrared that, sauna. I was going to ask was that was that the cold tub going there? It was the it was the cryo, Randy. Three minutes in cryotherapy, and you know all the all the great athletes are doing it, and it's very. I heard Ted different. Williams. Oh, Randy, here we go. <laughs> Walt Disney, great too. athlete. <laughs> Even the big the big mavens in Hollywood, Walt Disney, don't you know? Yeah, but then you can warm up though. Unlike Ted, you can go into the infrared sauna and then uh, follow it out with the steam room. There's a, or, or the salt room. I mean, there's a little meditation. It's great. So just go over there and enter to win. It's a great gift for someone too. If you if you win, you can give the day pass to someone else. That's great, and it's on your Insta at M Smallman. Yeah, and we also you can go to Michelle. You can go to my or the 101 ESPN Twitter or Insta pages and find the Adam Wainwright interview. If you haven't listened to it yet, it's the most compelling. And interesting Adam Wainwright interview that we've ever done. And we've gotten a lot of response already, but we would love to have you hear it if you haven't heard it yet. I I cannot recommend it enough. If you listen to this show, you likely love the Cardinals, you likely love Adam Wainwright, and you likely love sports and a great comeback story. And this is something that Adam Wainwright shared with us that I had never heard before. And it really gives you an insight into who he is as a player and a person. And I can't recommend it enough. Ten of ten. Yeah. 10 of 10 people recommend it. And you can hear it on our app. By the way, you can also win $1,000 by downloading our app. So you can hear great content and win a grand? Yep. What are you just doing? Just the 101 ESPN app. Download that, baby, or just go to 101ESPN.com. But we prefer that you download the app because we're in a contest with other stations. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Or as Michelle likes to call him, Rocchio. No, he calls himself that. I'm okay. just following Rocchio. his lead. Either way, pleasure. Okay, good. Uh, Michelle, this was fun. It was rainy tomorrow. Happy, I'll see you for Friday. Hep, yeah, happy Friday Eve. Friday Eve. Are you playing golf today? Make it three in no, a row? No, I got some other stuff going on. No golf today. Nice. Eh, maybe I'll go hit a few balls. We'll see. So We've got a balloon party coming up with uh, T-Mac and Ajax. T-Mac might have a story for you. For all of us, <laughs> we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.